In order to fall asleep, you gotta pretend to sleep. You gotta just act while you're sleeping and then wait until... Hey everyone, it's We Enjoy. Uh, man, I feel like that was super loud because it was in my ears. Apologies, everyone. We are the Enjoy Boys. I'm Matt Fowler. Say hello, Eric Goldman. Hello. Matt just called my shirt silly just because it has the Grabber and Michael Myers. And um, why am I forgetting? Okay, uh, so the bu- you, the led, butcher. You, you led with the most uh, recent, but, lot, <laughs> but the least known. Uh, for those who haven't seen the Black Phone, <laughs> The grabber is the grabber. Uh, that's from the, <laughs> that's from the, the black phone. Johnny Grabber. That's Ethan yeah, Hawke's character. Yeah, yeah uh, Jonathan Grabber, <laughs> who who uh, the grabber grabby the grabby grabber who grabs. Um, <laughs> we are nearing the end of our epic Michael Myers thon here on We Enjoy. We're wrapping up uh, pretty soon now. We've entered into the most recent trilogy. Uh, the final trilogy, it won't be. But um, <laughs> as of right now, this is uh, what we're dealing with leading up to Halloween ends in just a couple weeks. We are doing the third movie we have done so far called Halloween. Uh, this one is the most oddly titled, though, because unlike the other two, it is a sequel. So uh, we had the original John Carpenter Halloween. We had the Rob Zombie Halloween. And now we have um, the uh, David Gordon Green uh, uh Halloween so yeah yes and obviously this is not the only movie now Scream obviously stands out for doing this and I think there's at least one more example of like a sequel well the thing prequel uh a decade ago they're like a movie that's like in continuity with uh, the the earlier movie but just uses the same title which is super annoying it's just that in this case there was a reboot that also used the title so yeah, unlike Scream or the Thing, it's like yeah, you have to deal with three Halloween movies, three movies called the Halloween, but what whether they're in continuity with each other, it's all it's all. So it's kind of like well, Rob Zombie's Halloween kind of gets de- skirts the date. So when we're talking about Halloween movies in uh in Halloweeny Company, we'll say like, and we have to distinguish between these three. We'll say Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018. Or Rob Zombie's Halloween. We never really have to say like the the actual date of his movie. Halloween two thousand seven. Yeah, but like it's the Rob Zombie Halloween. Sure, sure, sure. I'm gonna apologize at the top of the show here for um uh, a couple things. One, I burnt my lip real bad on pizza uh. today because I went to take a bite of the pizza, Eric, and it was a normal sized bite. It wasn't like I, I wasn't being a pig or anything, and the <laughs> cheese pulled off the pizza. You know, like sometimes the cheese just doesn't go where your teeth want it to go. I tried to cut it with my teeth. It didn't work. And it pulled it off the pizza and it flapped down onto my lip and burned my lip because it was hot pizza. It was body hot. horror, Matt. Body this horror. Is, this is also what the new Hellraiser will be about. This is... <laughs> your suffering will be legendary. <laughs> uh, I am... Secondly, uh, I am also, uh, I did yoga tonight, so I am kind of narco sleepy. So I'm going to be slurring my words more than usual seeing a lot of ums and errs, even more so than usual. And, and it's I'll about probably... 11.30 for you, so perfect. Yeah, it's all, and so, yeah, it's also late um, from, you know, not late for uh, 21-year-old me, but late for 47-year-old me, who's uh, usually in, uh, doing some epic honk shooing right now. So anyway, we're going to talk about Halloween in the main event today. 
And uh, but before that, speaking of silly, which Eric's shirt is very silly. It's got all of his silly friends on it. It's got uh, uh, who else is on there, Eric? Uh, we got uh, one of the killer clowns is on there. And we've got uh, the Universal Monsters. Well, Dracula. I see um, Mummy. I see the, the mummy, mummy and the Wolfman because they're the three that star in this year's Universal Monsters Maze. Every year now they've been doing Universal Monsters Maze with different focus of characters. That's there. But before you do that transition, because I know where you're going with this, I just want to mention, because you mentioned Hellraiser, that I am uh, six movies in to watching every Hellraiser movie, uh, which I've never done. I only had seen the four theatrical ones. Uh, I'm now I've seen five and six now. Uh, so By the way, have... uh, before you dig into that, thank you for doing that uh, on your own. <laughs> <laughs> for not, <laughs> not incorporating it into now to do what will be would, will be 11 Hellraiser movies with the new one next week. Um, uh, but I uh, was very amused because I, you know, last week I was reading the cast of the one that Henry Cavill's in because I knew Henry Cavill was in one of them. And, you know, that he, there was like Lynn Henriks and other notable people in that one. But uh, the thing that was really funny was watching one I'd seen before, the fourth one, but I only seen it once. Uh, I didn't see it in the theater. It barely got released in theaters. And I watched it on video or DVD in like 1998 and never revisited it. But rewatching it now and seeing that not only is Adam Scott in it, but he's in it prominently uh, wearing a bunch of silly wigs. Did you see my tweet about that? Matt? No, I missed it. Oh, and you I'm know me. All... I'm always up for an Adam Scott wig tweet. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you because he plays a 17, a uh, uh, 1700s or 1800s, 1700s, a Frenchman named Jacques, not trying to do an accent. Uh, and but he's he's evil and summoning demons and uh, then he he returns in 1996. Uh, it's all very funny. Uh, and uh, well, now I need to talk to Adam Scott about Razor Four Bloodline uh, and his amazing experience on it. And the other thing I was going to say is that as we mentioned, Rob Zombie's Halloween uh, is that I watched the monsters. Oh, you week. watched the monsters. I watched. So I've now. I've watched three Rob Zombie movies this month, Matt, and I'm not a person who wants to watch three Rob Zombie movies in a month. So. Not even in the month where one would typically watch Rob Zombie movies. <laughs> yes. Which would be during uh, I've seen, all, yeah. Here's all you need to do with the Munsters. Trish had morbid curiosity about it as like a Munsters fan, and we got about 10, 15 minutes in Friday night, and she's like, I think that's enough for now. <laughs> and and, then and the for next, now became forever. Well, no, then the next night okay, we okay. on. <laughs> And then she, it was like five minutes in. She's like, let's stop for now. I was like, Trish, we got to do a little. If we're, if we're doing this, we get a little more. And then finally, I was just, I finished it on my own the third night. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to power through this. Oh my God. Uh, I know you have uh, to eat an elephant a bite at a time, but <laughs> that's ridiculous. You gotta, it's like the only way hour, out is through at a certain point. The only way out is through. 50 minutes, five zero, which is long for a comedy in general, but for this comedy feels an hour and 50 minutes. Well, there feels... goes my theory that he can only make an hour and 10 minute movie. Technically. No, no. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. I'd love to all see right, your, all right. your feedback. Uh, okay. Let's talk about other sillies. Back to my fucking segue. Your silly yeah. shirt. You know what else is silly? Mm. Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Ryan Reynolds is a very silly individual. And when yes. he's paired together with Hugh Jackman, they do some very silly things. They do. Um, so yeah, sort of out of the blue with no uh real warning and, and no like what time of day was this? It was just in the middle middle of it the afternoon. It was just afternoon. the middle of the afternoon. Uh Ryan Reynolds tweets out uh big news about Deadpool 3 that uh it's underway, it the release date for it, and that um 
Hugh Jackman will be in it as Wolverine. And it was all presented in a very, very silly manner that I approve of. I laughed probably for like 23 minutes at coming (laughs) at the the end part that said coming hewn. Yes, you did. (laughs) Which uh, really got me. It got me right between uh, uh, right in my funny zone. So, um, yeah, it's going to come out on uh, September 6th. 2024 mm-hmm. and man did people just like start pre-complaining about like continuities and such when it's fucking deadpool like when it's <laughs> fucking it's like, multiverse it's multi by the way did, did, did all the people yeah. who are upset that like you know like logan well he said logan was gonna you know i don't know the people were upset about various things. One is that well, Jackman himself said this was the last time he was playing Wolverine in, in Logan. Well, Logan is such a well-regarded movie. Uh, this was supposed to be the end of his story, and now he's doing it again. Going back on his word, Eric, his word, the oath he pledged to the the, 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 the <laughs> realm of cinema. Right, right. Whereas uh Patrick Stewart, by the way, did the same exact yeah. fucking thing for Logan and just appeared in Multiverse of Madness. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter. And uh, it's Deadpool. Do you think they're not even going to talk about that in that movie? Like in the movie itself, they will bring up the Logan thing. In fact, they've already addressed it. Deadpool 2. A day later. (laughs) But again, a day later this morning, as we record on a Wednesday evening, uh, Hugh Jackman, like then he tweeted out a thing with him and Ryan Reynolds, like jokingly answering concerns and questions that fans have about this whole situation. And they just played Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go over all of their answers. Again, this is very silly. Um, um, it's, I feel like we're, we're switched places this week a little bit, Matt, because you kind of led with the complainers, which of course exist, but mostly it was rapturous. This is few, yes, of course. Mostly my, I think my point like, is... This is fucking awesome. Yeah. My point being is that, like, I can't believe that anyone is complaining about this for whatever reason, you know? I, I, uh, there, there's definitely, I mean, we've talked this before. There is the like, oh, more cool stuff attitude. Like, 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 it's just like the, oh, they're just going to give us more cool team ups that we never imagined possible. I, uh, you know, there's just us. the whole thing is like, this movie didn't service the fans enough. And then this movie had too much fan service. It's right, like, right. you can't fucking win. Um, no, because I, like, I, I, um, uh, I retweeted uh, Tim Geddes, uh, who we used to work with at IGN, is uh, kind of funny, who um, mentioned, uh, um, you know, that he said something like, I can't believe me. He was doing it kind of jokingly like it's a done deal, which it isn't. But he said, you know, can't believe we're going to have in Secret Wars, uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and Robert Downey Jr., has Iron Man, and I retweeted it saying, like, this sounds very probable, because I think it is very probable. Um, and, you know, there were some people being like, oh, more of this? I'm like, yes, yes, more of these three people, you know, again, this is just maybe, but, like, the idea of these three actors who all played this, these... Wildly populated characters. series. Yeah. <laughs> Superheroes played by wildly beloved actors. Why would I yeah. want to ever see that? Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the whole thing with Logan, which Logan is fantastic movie, um, but yes, the fact that Deadpool is so silly and is its own thing doesn't make, you know, makes me not concerned. And also we talked about before, it's like the whole, like, do, can you like ruin what was a good send off with something else? You can, but you also can't, you, you, it really depends on how they do it. And I, I've mentioned, I know on this podcast, I mentioned like the fact that 
I still cry every single time I watch the end of Star Trek Two, despite the fact that the next movie, of course, he comes back. Yes, like it's no. like there's no way is Star Trek Two ruined or cheapened or any of the things we you know hear thrown out this week a little bit with this. As I still enjoy that. the hell out of Aliens, even though I know what happens in the first five minutes of Alien Three. Like <laughs> right, it doesn't right. matter. There are movies you can disregard. There are movies. Am I wrong, Eric, in viewing Logan as? a sort of pocket dimension experience anyway yeah, i know I as far as like like how much because of that movie are I we supposed Logan? to actually connect to the x-men franchise yeah like patrick right. stewart's in it playing professor x so you have the idea that in some version of this you it felt like a multiverse movie to me yeah i mean they make that they make that one reference to the statue of liberty which is like a kind of cool thing to connect back to the first time we saw those characters but it's, and also what what the fuck franchise are we talking about to begin with the x-men franchise is, is nothing continuities not all over the map yeah absolutely chaotic and messy like nothing <laughs> nothing lines up nothing and as much up. as i i 100 love logan i think it is a fantastic movie do I love like it's kind of like that whole like you just mentioned Alien 3, although I like Logan a lot more than Alien 3. But the whole thing of like, do I love that in Logan, the end of the X-Men was Professor X like like losing it and he killed the X-Men? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I love that. It's like, you know, that's what that's why I felt like it was a multiverse movie past. anyway. Yeah. yeah. And in uh, fact, I feel like the X-Men franchise inadvertently created the multiverse before the MCU is purposely creating it, you know, like just with their sort of timeline uh, screw ups. And Deadpool already joked about that with the McAvoy and Stewart joke and, you know, keeping the timeline straight. Yeah. Anyway, this is happening. This is the MCU. There will be a Marvel Studios movie produced by Kevin Feige starring these two guys. Um, Of course, it's happening in the middle of what they're calling the multiverse saga. So there's a million ways to do it. I also do think that yes, Hugh Jackman being in Secret Wars just went up a, a, a thousand percent as a possibility. Yeah, uh, we'll see. This is a uh, this is good news. This is what we like in the biz. We like to call yeah. good news. It, um, it's fun, guys. We're having fun here. Hey, let's all have fun. Let's enjoy yeah. things, like the title of the podcast says. Uh, someone who wasn't enjoying anything uh, was apparently the director of Blade, Bassam Tariq, mm-hmm. who has dropped out of the film. Just uh, almost a month, right? Yeah, yeah, it was supposed yeah. to start uh, just filming in November uh, before production. It was, you know, just gearing up to start shooting. And he has un- un- uh, dropped out. Uh, they just cite creative differences. Again, like Marvel does sometimes, Basim Tariq is sort of a critically acclaimed filmmaker, documentarian who hasn't made any he's not like he's not coming from the realm of blockbusters right it's some like indie filmmakers even more like he's very sort of like yeah um, yeah he is his his underground in this i know he did that movie with riz ahmed Ahmed, so that was kind of his like one sort of bigger you know i say bigger to mean like a bigger indie uh but yeah he was a very you know like you know off the radar pick for this even though marvel does that a lot um but yeah him leaving the the they they gave what is frankly a fully bullshit thing about it being a schedule like oh the fact that the movie had been delayed a couple times on production i'm like given that we just talked about how this this was his big break into the mainstream there's no way he's like gotta go can't wait for blade like i don't i don't buy that in any way shape or form right Uh, this was the case of like somebody who you know and we'll never know like until somebody actually emphatically says what happened it but they probably won't anyway but yeah like uh 
a really a guy used to working in really small uh, filmmaking environments all of a sudden in a giant you know in the marvel machine sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work out and by the way that extends to somebody like a larger you could say indie filmmaker who now does like bigger productions which is Edgar Wright or you yeah. know not everyone gels with the marvel machine and that's fine um no of course of course because it is i, I don't I don't agree at all that it's like, oh, there's no individual nature to the Marvel movies because I think, and we've seen we've seen this year with Raimi and Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, some, some say to a fault. Like some people have said his latest Thor movie was to him. Um, yeah. You can have an individual stamp on these movies, but you are also working within, you know, a larger confines. And I'm sure it won't work for everyone who can't sort of me- make that all work. Um I will say, I, I don't think there's any way so there was some concern that like, oh, is this movie, movie won't happen. It'll happen. It might get delayed. But I think, you know, they're going to go forward with Blade, you know, with. The oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, yeah, they have it all cast up and they're ready to shoot. Do you think it'll get delayed or do you think they pull? What's Scorsese doing? Like, is Scorsese <laughs> available I, for this? I, I just think, you know, to make November next year, they have to it would it would have to move quick. Ant-Man is probably the most comparable situation because even Doctor Strange. Like, you know, uh, Derrickson left earlier than we knew because of COVID, but he still left early where there was like more time than this. This is more of like the Ant-Man situation where like, you know, Ant-Man, they'd cast Evangeline Lilly, they cast a million people uh, before he left. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if they can make that November date or if it ends up getting uh, moved. It is interesting. This is all like these two stories were like two or two, three weeks out of D23 Expo where both those movies were conspicuous by not being mentioned. Um, now with Blade, I think that they go, cause I was like, why didn't they talk about Blade at all? I thought they'd announce the cast because it, you know, all, all these cast members, the trades have been breaking. And now I think it's probably cause the director, like he was probably his foot was out the door. So that's why they didn't talk about it. Cause they couldn't have him come out and talk about it. But with, uh, Deadpool, I'm guessing Jackman, they just did, they, the deal wasn't signed. They hadn't like a hundred percent, you know, uh, cause it was like a week later, they moved untitled Marvel from February 2024 to um, a few months later to no, to uh, September. So I think that was just not quite ready, uh, but um, it's too bad they couldn't do that in person because that would have been obviously a pretty amazing moment in person. But there you go. We'll see who directs Blade. What if it's John Carpenter? And there's it's called it's John, Carpenter. and it's strangely the second movie called John Carpenter's John Vampires. Carpenter's More Vampires, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, and then you added here something I only kind of know about, which is that, but it's more of our ongoing discussion about the uh, the increasingly unreliable nature of streaming productions. Yeah. Uh, we've mostly been talking about what happened with Batgirl on uh, HBO Max, but this is a Netflix uh, show called Grendel, which is based on a Dark Horse comic, I believe. And yeah. it, so it did, it did film an entire season, all eight episodes, Eric. Yeah, yeah. And at first it was like, because when the story, the first story was like, oh, uh, Netflix has decided not to go forward with Grendel. And and then they now they in that story, it listed so many cast members ago, the, all those people were cast. And then I saw someone say, wow, they'd already filmed a bunch of this. I go, oh, shit. And then it turns out they filmed all of it. Like they filmed an entire season. Uh, and one of the actors did like a big post like, about you know, how disappointing this is. is but like, yeah, well, it wasn't Andy Milanakis. Oh, and uh, no, not Milanakis. That's the MTV guy. Uh, yeah, that's right. yeah. He, he is not Andy Milanakis. I, mi- I misread it. Again, very narco sleepy here. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to pretend it's Andy Milanakis and he's the star of As Dark Horse Comics Grendel, <laughs> which is about a vigilante. That's all I know. Um, 
So yeah, this versus at, at that point, like, what is it? Is it are we talking more in tax tax cut credit stuff, or what? It, like, what's the harm in releasing a, a filmed season? Is are they like effects they're not going to finish? They're saving I don't money know. by it, like not like, like let's 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 be blunt here because who knows? Maybe it sucks, but that hasn't stopped Netflix before. I've seen, I've, <laughs> yeah, like, I've seen their catalog of movies. Like yeah, Netflix like, does not go by a quality measure. And again, as we've said many times, there's a lot of great stuff on Netflix that we absolutely love. And there's also a ton of schlock and a ton of shit. And especially these days where they want to corner every market and they're like, here's all the <laughs> holiday movies. Here's all this. Uh, I, it is, it is, this is weird. This is, yeah, a weird thing for them to do to, to decide not to air the show at all. All right. And, you know, they're going to, uh... they said, unlike, because, un, because they don't own it, unlike Batgirl, they're not uh, putting it in a vault and saying you'll never, ever, ever see it. They are, the producers are allowed to shop it. I feel like someone will buy. Yeah. Again, I don't know how much money needs to be put into finish effects and stuff like that, but I would, I would feel like someone. They will... have to, they have to, they have to create the Grendel out of nothing, out of uh, CGI. <laughs> yeah. The Grendel. Uh, the to... the Andy I mistook for Andy Milanakis is Andy Mientis, I believe uh, that's the way I'm pronouncing his name, anyhow. And he's been in a few things. He was on um, the Flash as Pied Piper for five episodes. Yes. Yeah, so he's been in things uh, here and there. But yeah, so he's the one who spoke out and said that, hey, you know what? This sucks. Uh, so good for him for speaking up about, <laughs> about filming an entire season of a show that won't see the light of day now. Uh, maybe one day there'll be like a uh, a buried a, a buried by streaming fest where they just air like Batgirl and this, this series and all a bunch of things. He wasn't um, the lead. He was not Grendel. But yeah, he was one of the cast members. I don't even know that Grendel's the lead character. I don't even know what that means. Is it Operation <laughs> Grendel? Is it Project I mean, he's, Grendel? Like, he looks Is, cool, Grendel. He's got this cool uh, black and white dead. Is he named looking... because of the Beowulf poem? What's why is he Grendel? I don't remember. All I remember, you know what? This show would have told me the answers yeah. to that. All I remember but... is he fought Batman, and it was a cool cover of the two of them, you know, brawling. All right, all right. Well, now we'll never get that. I get. Was Michael Keaton in this as Batman too? Is that why everything's <laughs> being canceled? He was. He was not. But uh, I, I again, this can be shopped, and I think someone will probably. Pick all right, it. here we go. But weird. Um, it's just a weird. Uh, I saw someone tweet about this that like. A show, you know, a writer who's been a showrunner, I'm forgetting who, was like that it's never felt like usually you felt like, oh, we're filming our thing. We we made it. People will see this. And now that's not. And again, some people were conflating this. I saw some people conflating this with like a pilot being passed on, which is such a different thing than like we filmed an entire season. And while it's not unprecedented, it's happened in history. It seems like now more than ever, it can happen. And that's weird. It is weird. It's odd. It's off-putting. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Uh, okay, so uh, thanks everyone for listening to our, our podcast and sub and subscribing, either uh, listening to it on Apple or joining one of our Patreon tiers where uh, for the lower tier, you can get a commercial-free version of the podcast or for the higher tier, the Hudson Hawk tier, you can get the commercial-free versions of the podcast plus bonus episodes, bonus episodes. Bonus. We've got uh, Avatar coming up for you. And then we also, of course, obviously in a few weeks have... Halloween ends coming up for you for the bonus apps. And which is why we were doing this franchise to begin with, not just because we are uh, like, like horror and Halloween and stuff. Um, I mean, this is what we, we were timing it for this movie. Timing it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it just so happens that it's one where that's still actually happening, like Chucky, you know, where there's mm -hmm. new product being made. So, 
and then uh, you can write into us uh, at weenjoypodcast at gmail.com or write to us over on Patreon, which a lot of people do. Or you can find us on Twitter at the Matt Fowler and the Eric Goldman or the podcast at We Enjoy Podcast on the Twitter machine. And this uh, email, actually, through the Gmail, comes to us from Curtis. Curtis, your email is very long, so I'm not going to read it all out loud because I'm very sleepy. But he basically <laughs> revisited Halloween 2. Now I'm talking about the second Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Okay. And <laughs> basically, <laughs> he, he was just watching the Rob Zombie films. And he remembered it very differently than it actually was. He thought there was way more ghost horses than there were. Like he remembered there being a lot more uh, dead moms and ghost horses than. I there mean, are. there's a healthy amount though. He, he wonders if uh, Rob Zombie had a um, sort of an obsession with horses at the time because there was an album called Educated Horses, and the video for Foxy Foxy, one of the songs off the album, had a lot of horses in it. So he was going. This was Rob Zombie's horse phase. <laughs> you know there's horse girls and there's horse zombies and there's, and there's rob zombies horse phase yeah and then uh he also uh liked the theatrical ending that he watched on peacock like i did he preferred it to the one the alternate ending that he went and searched on the internet and watched uh he liked it uh much while better. i prefer the director's good ending i also just don't think this is a good movie so i'm not gonna fight about it <laughs> No, no. What you're you have to pick one, Eric. You have to <laughs> right. pick one. And you have to be very like you know, all in and you want to fight and you want to I still have not Googled anger. that. I still have not like actively looked up the alternate ending. You've described it to me. Mm-hmm. I think I saw a screenshot uh, you know, in the in like Google images of Michael's face, basically Tyler Maine's face. Yeah. Uh because you know, during a random Michael Myers search. But yeah, uh that's all. And I he's know like about. lit by the helicopter, so it looks like he's in a rock video, like he's like uh you know, it's like a sound garden video, and he's like, like "Are you ready it. to rock?" <laughs> uh, and and then, uh, then Curtis uh, ends it by wanting to know what our thoughts on regarding cool merchandise for shitty horror movies. Specifically, mm-hmm. they have a cool-looking throw blanket at Hot Topic based on Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. He's had his eye on. Uh, I love the Halloween franchise in general, and the blanket looks cool. But God damn it, that movie is so bad. Uh, what do you, what say you, Eric? I feel like you'd get it. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's fun fact. Uh, um, Matt has seen my, my wall of toys with my hot toys and my sideshow figures and all that. My Michael Myers 12 inch figure is from Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, because that was the first cool Michael figure they made. Uh, and, uh, and it looked pretty good. And even though it was from that movie, I did buy it. Since then, they've made one for the first movie, but I didn't want to have two. So I only have my Halloween six one. You don't uh, want to have I've, two and then make them kiss and make them make out. Uh, and I've got a Cult of Thorn uh, pin and I've 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 joked, but not joked that I should get that as a tattoo. Uh, so anyway, ha- I've talked a lot about this. Like when you were into these franchises, you eventually like fully embrace them. And like this goes for all of them. Like Friday 13th, I used to say like, oh, five is so bad. And now I love five and it's a bad movie but I love it. Uh, so <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't say that about Halloween six. I don't love it, even though I know people who really like it now. Uh, but it's yeah, kind of so. like, it's kind of like the, 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 you know, over in the fast food uh, side of things, like people who love Jack in the box tacos, which are bad mm-hmm. tacos, but people love them even sure, though they sure. know they're bad. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All which is to say, yes, uh, there's go for it. Get Do whatever you want. Yeah. You know what? 
we all go around once. We get one try at this thing. Get the fucking blanket. Like, but also, yeah. I mean, we also live in this funny, funny time where all this stuff has become merchandisable, and they've realized, you know, that it's like. Oh yeah, that there's this ongoing audience for this. It's also funny. Halloween is a series in particular where the copyright to the different movies are held by multiple companies. So it's like Universal merches out Halloween two, mm-hmm. uh, but then Halloween six has a different owner and that gets merged out. So then you get these weird sort of competing stuff. Did you see my tweet the other day, Matt, about um, um, Adam Scott and his wigs from the no, Hellraiser movie oh. about uh, the Evil Dead poster in a screener I was watching. No, uh, just this little tangent here, but talking about like you know the the realization of the cult audience and that you can profit from them, uh, and that, that would be me. Uh, just that it was a funny thing that um, I'd thought about, and then I know I believe on Gorley and Russ, a podcast I mentioned I like, who with guys who have very similar uh temperaments as us, they mentioned, Do, are, are we gonna have to fight them at some we're point? We're gonna have to fight them. Uh, no, they, they mentioned the exact thing I'd been thinking when I can't remember what movie they were watching, which is um. When movies have um, kids, teenagers have like posters that don't really make sense because the filmmakers like those posters, but that there's a very specific thing that happens a movie set in the eighties. And there's two movies that are, they're most guilty of them doing this, which is having kids in the eighties and movies have posters for evil dead and, or the thing, because it's oh, too yeah. early. It's too early for those posters to be like readily available for these kids to be part of the cult of those movies. Yeah. Is, uh, is my thing. That's like, like for a kid to have an evil dead poster in the eighties, it means he's seen evil dead. He liked evil dead and he could find a poster for evil dead. All three of those things are unlikely, which is always to say, I watched a screener for an upcoming program, which I'm under embargo for, but a kid in the nineties had an evil dead poster and it made me feel good because that felt more right. Yeah. That felt like, this is, yeah. This is by the nineties. Now they were realizing, Oh, evil dead is a thing we can sell posters for. All and right. Well, changes. just let me know when we have to fight these guys and what okay. the is. Um, totally. Totally. Okay. Uh, what is your good thing to enjoy this week? Uh, I'm going back into my physical media corner. Um, mixing in with just like a movie I love <laughs> and, uh, uh, just want to recommend, um, which is the new um, 4K for Real Genius that uh, just came out. Uh, a movie that I know we've mentioned in passing on this. Uh, Maybe we have. There's a chance we haven't, but yeah. I feel like um, it would have at least come up in some modicum uh, of it. I, I, I do think this is a very funny 4K to even exist, though, because as we're seeing um, studios put out like uh, 4Ks of all these things, they're turning to the obvious things to do them for, which is like real, like visual movies and sci-fi like event horizon just got a 4k. And even though that movie was like not seen as a hit when it came out, it's like a sci-fi movie with a lot of visual stuff to it. So it makes sense. And it's got a cult following Uh rules. Real genius is a, um, you know, seen as like a teen comedy from the eighties, even though there's a little bit other thing happening in it. Uh, anyway, I think a lot of people have seen Evil, uh, seen evil Teen Genius. I just merged together Evil Generation. <laughs> <laughs> Real Genius. But not as many say, I am curious how many people, because there are certain movies from the 80s I know multi-generations have seen, like Back to the Future. It's like... Well, so, so yeah, we're getting to, like, Real Genius is a mid-card 
80s right. movie that's still like obviously i love it you love it but it's like not one of the ones that first comes to mind when you think of 80s comedies obviously the you know john hughes movies come out first and then other things like you mentioned indiana jones and back to the future and stuff like that but yeah, yeah. this was this is a for uh wrestling fans this is a mid carter yeah it's a mid carter that i i really love and i, I actually saw it a few months ago at the new beverly I mean, I've seen it a million times. It was a cable favorite growing up. But watching it again a few months ago in the theater really solidified again how well done it is and how much I liked it. Uh, and this this 4K, which is funny because it, it does look really good. Uh, and I didn't realize that the uh, cinematographer of this movie is uh, uh, Vimos Sigmund. Am I saying his name right? The cinematographer of Close Encounters. Uh, did that did real genius and it actually looks a lot better than a lot of like you know mid 80s teen comedies but also the thing that real genius stands out which is i i, I don't want to dig into the plot here too much except say it's about um you know kids at a school for scientific geniuses through the eyes of like a 15 year old prodigy who is sent to this school and uh his roommate is sort of a burnout is val kimmer playing the uh, the guy who was the wonder kid but then has now kind of become a slacker but is still a genius underneath that um is that like this is a movie you know when people talk about the, this movie often brought up and i agree is like it, it definitely sort of celebrated smart people in a way you didn't see in the 80s even revenge of the nerds which i did love as a kid as problematic as fuck as that movie is now um even that movie is much more like isn't it funny how weird and awkward they are but in Real Genius, you don't get that. It's like, they're all just the leads. Uh, when I say they, I mean like really smart characters and quote unquote like geeky characters, but it's all, it's not done through like, isn't, aren't they so weird and strange? Yeah, they don't, there's no element of the movie where they have to like fight jocks or mm -hmm. like, or or no. like are actually looked down upon by other students because this is their realm. So yeah. Right, they, there's rivalries, but it's just between geniuses. But, yeah. Um, and uh, no, yeah, I really like the characters. Um, I loved uh, Jordan, which is the uh, the main character's crush is sort of like flirtatious. Uh, oh, yeah. I, we, everyone loved Jordan. Yeah. Everyone loved Jordan, who is a fascinating character to watch now because she 100% reads as a character on the spectrum in mm -hmm. a 2022, uh, like, you know, point of view. Uh, I don't think we could articulate that in the mid 80s. Uh, but now seems like a very positive. It wasn't until Rain that. Man that large audiences knew what autism was. So right, yeah, like... right. <laughs> uh, but now she seems like this really cool progressive portrayal of that because she's just like part and of that. The gang. And it's... you know, obviously, Rain Man was a very hyper specific savant take on uh, autism. But yeah, uh, I wanted to actually mention because you know we both love Real Genius. Uh, directed by uh, a female director who actually had quite a career in the eighties yep. that not a lot of people talk about, which is Martha Coolidge who did Valley Girl and Rambling Rose and a lot of movies into mm -hmm. the 90s even. Um, and then also, uh, a lot of people know William Zabka as the 80s, quintessential 80s bully, right? Yes. He did three movies, obviously Karate Kid being the most famous, but then he was the bully in Back to School and Just One of the Guys. Mm -hmm. Within like a two or three year period, Yeah, he, he was, was the go bully in these big movies. William, <laughs> William <laughs> Atherton, uh, was the was the quintessential figure. authority <laughs> figure asshole because yes. of Die Hard, Ghostbusters, and this movie, and this the mid the middle trilogy, middle of the trilogy, yes. yeah, and Real Genius. So yeah, uh, um, he is an all time great movie asshole. He is great in this. Uh, has the authority figure at this school for geniuses, and um, 
uh, I don't want to dwell too much on this day because I think this movie still holds up really well. Uh, the 4K looks great. It's also funny, Matt, because one of the extra features is the TV cut of the movie complete with like full frame and like and covered over sensor, you know, when they would put silly words over the, the curses. And it's really amazing to think that's how we watched a lot of movies. Um, but also this movie is so ripe for a streaming service reboot. Um, because if you've never seen Real Genius, there is an interesting conceit to what is happening, what they're actually building at this school and why they're building it and who is kind of manipulating them that I is like feels very like, oh, I could see the eight episode streaming service version. Yeah, of this. this is a conspiracy thing that can go beyond um, yeah. the regular teenage or college age story. Um, yeah. And uh, I also want to throw in about Real Genius, too, is one of the things and I don't know if we talked about it, but like. Uh, Val Kilmer, when he started his movie career, did like comedies until mm-hmm. Top Gun. And then he just did dramas forever. And I feel like I, I feel like I didn't see him in a comedy again until Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Like such he a, is, this and he is such a good comedic actor. So funny. Yeah. And he never got to do it because he was in dramas. And uh, so I'm talking about this movie and um, Top Secret. Top Secret. Mm-hmm. And very different performances, too, because this one is more of like, a Van Wilder style, like fun campus dude. And top secret is a Zucker brothers. So they're playing it safe. They're playing it. Sorry, not safe, but straight. <laughs> I know she meant. Yeah. They're playing it straight. They're like, yeah, like he's playing the it dead, straight it, am- it amongst the silliness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, where he plays sort of an Elvis style, like uh teen heartthrob who gets caught up in the spy conspiracy. But yeah, it's very, um, this, so this is definitely one. If you, if uh, you only know Val Kilmer from his dramatic work, um, I guess Tombstone was a little both, right? It was a little bit, it rode the line, uh, but it is funny that this movie, Real Genius, was a year before Top Gun, so it really shows like this sort of insta-shift your career can have, because if he hadn't done Top Gun, it's like, yeah, you could you could envision him doing a bunch more wacky He would have just done a lot of zany comedies, of course. Yeah, um, yeah Real Genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, my uh, pick this week is a series that is still happening. Uh, it just debuted last week with three episodes on hulu and i think it releases every tuesday so it should be four by now i've only seen the first uh three and so i haven't caught the fourth yet i don't so i all in all this could end uh in fire this could be shit but so far it's very funny it's called reboot and it is exactly what you think it is it is about it is well some people think it's a remake of the 90s animated series (laughs) oh really what was that about I never seen it. I just know Donald Glover really loved it because he told me once on the set of community how much he loved it. All right. Well, this this is better than that. I don't know. <laughs> it was a very early CG cartoon. Like if you look uh, it up, they look scary because it's like that mid 90s cartoon with CG characters. This uh, show was created by Stephen Levitin, who most recently uh, did a lot of sitcom work uh, for decades until landing a huge, huge, uh, uh, you know, um, and- basically struck gold with uh modern family which i was gonna is, say uh, and i'm sure made millions and millions of dollars yeah so um like that yeah. and has an all-star cast and it is about the uh a streaming service this time hulu playing itself <laughs> hulu <laughs> playing itself on hulu sort of parodying itself as a streaming service that is uh trying to get uh, more into the reboot game in the vein of like uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air on Peacock and Save by the Bell on Peacock or Fuller House or something or re, you know reviving old beloved sitcoms for their service and this is a early 2000s sitcom called Step Right Up so it's a fictional sitcom 
that they are rebooting for Hulu. And the original cast comes back, played by Keegan-Michael Key and Johnny Knoxville and the great Judy Greer, uh, which is relevant to our main event today. It is. Uh, The great Judy Greer, who, uh, man, she's so good. And uh, it is being basically... They're looking for a sort of a uh, darker, more independent, edgy take on uh, the old sitcom goofiness. So Rachel Bloom of My Crazy crazy Ex-Girlfriend comes in as sort of a a indie film screenwriter who convinces them to go in a darker direction. But then who who comes on board? The original creator created by uh, played by Paul Reiser, who just wants it to be silly sitcom stuff, traditional, uh, you know, set up punchline sitcom stuff and they clash over that and there's more reasons why those two don't get along i won't get into there's a lot of funny stuff i thought the first three episodes were very very funny and everyone um is really doing a great job it's just mean enough to work but not too mean because you know when holiday parodies itself yeah. And uh, when when sort of the, the business shines a light on itself and tries to be act like, oh, look at all these shitty people making all these shitty things. It can, you know, a lot of the comedy gets lost and sometimes nobody wants to watch that. This plays the line, I think, pretty perfectly as far as the balance between it being a sitcom itself and it being sort of kind of lightly scathing, skewering of the business, but not too much. Uh, I think it works really well. Uh, for, I thought it was very funny. Uh, I would want to check it out because I like all those people, uh, and uh, you know, hoping to. I did the I, I did uh, sit in on the uh, virtual TCA panel for this, and they talked to Paul Reiser was you know talking about that he did the Mad About You reboot, so he's actually like lived this. Yeah, he's uh, done the reboot that's being sort of mocked on reboot, uh, right. that that type of thing where you get brought back. Um, notably, of course, uh, as we we've mentioned sometimes when we're recommending where to watch these things, is that. Hulu doesn't exist outside the U.S. and like one or two other countries, um, and so almost anything Hulu, I'm assuming this show included, is on Disney Plus overseas because that's just where it is. So um, for them, it, they're is talking it like they're, Taco some... Bell and Pizza Hut and Demolition Man. <laughs> do they say Disney Plus in or do, do like the sitcom Step Right Up, which doesn't exist? Do people just think Hulu is also? Oh, on that's the a silly name service. they came up for. Oh, who would, play, who would name a play? Who would name a streaming service Hulu? Uh, what a world we live in. Okay, um, so we don't have to go into any details about this, but uh, I I, uh, I went mad this morning, Matt, because I read like back to back that uh, uh, Stars Play streaming service overseas. The Stars has a streaming service overseas. Uh, I think they have it here. Too. Oh, it's going to be Lionsgate Plus. Lionsgate Plus, and that then there's another streaming service that's already here. Oh, Epics. Uh, is it Epics or um, I think it's Epics. Anyway, yeah. they're renaming. Uh, MGM Plus. <laughs> I was like, just Jesus Christ, stop it. <laughs> like, stop. I don't like stop. any of it. All right, let's get into the main event. Next week's main event, obviously, is the follow up to 2018's Halloween, which is Halloween Kills, which you can rent or buy or just watch on HBO Max if you have that service. Um, um, fascinatingly, I guess not fascinatingly, I think it just signed the, the weird times, not on Peacock, even though it debuted on Peacock the day it opened in theaters. Which Halloween ends will as well. Yeah, but I've noted, I mean, this is this has happened with a lot of the things, not Disney, they, they locked their shit down, but a lot of the movies that debuted day and date um, uh, with their theatrical release in the past couple of years as that became a thing, 
have not stuck around the streaming service. And I wonder when they make those very late decisions, how much they're still locked into other deals. And so it's like, okay, well, we'll have it exclusively for a month or two, but then it has to still go somewhere else after that. Uh, but just, just odd. All right. Let's get into our main event. Judy Greer's Halloween, as yes. I like to call it. Karen. Um, <laughs> Karen's Halloween. It's a very Karen Halloween. Um, wearing a Christmas sweater. I think named Karen by the, the, you know, um, actually, you know, I, I did dig a little into, uh, what happened in between Rob Zombie's Halloween two and this movie. Oh, cause I was going to talk about that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well you can too, obviously, but like just the fact that like, this was the longest time we'd ever gone without yeah. a Halloween movie or without seeing Michael Myers. And there were a lot of stop starts and a lot of ideas that were floating around. Some of them were crazy ideas, crazy. Speaking of crazy ideas, Eric, I saw Barbarian. That's a crazy movie. Um, it is. Did you like it though? I did like it. I did okay. like it. It's a, a crazy it. <laughs> movie. Um, it's the but the crazy movie that you can enjoy, not a crazy mm -hmm. movie that you leave uh, confounded. Um, so, yeah, like obviously there was a plan for a follow up almost too soon after Halloween two. Yeah, we talked just about fell that apart. last week. That was yeah, and then there was the uh, um, the idea because of Paranormal Activity's success of making the next Halloween a uh, found footage movie. Mm -hmm. There was. Um, a really cool one. Uh, oh, Tom Adkins' name was brought up as being a psychiatrist in Lori's sanitar sanitarium. Tom uh, Atkins was going to be in uh, the the Todd Farmer that the one we the the yeah. that sequel because again they were using a lot of people they'd already worked with until he was in My Bloody Valentine 3D and he done yeah. But obviously, that. also we talked about him in Halloween three, and they were gonna He's they were gonna Lewis. have a moment where the Silver Shamrock commercial is playing and he's like, well, someone turn that thing off. Uh, I can't stand it. He's like, this again, what? <laughs> no. um, and then, yeah, so basically um, it all sort of wrapped around back to John Carpenter deciding he wanted to once again produce a Halloween movie and do it right. Like, why not re-embrace what I ditched back with Halloween, basically since Halloween 3? Well, can I fill uh, in a couple other gaps? Yeah, there? yeah, go for it. Just to, just to say that, uh, yeah, I very quickly run through these again. Retaking re shape to everyone, well, both of them, because they're very interesting. But uh, yeah, after they ditched the idea of any sequels to the Rob Zombie one, a bunch of other things, there was, they flirted with having Platinum Dunes produce with Dimension. Platinum Dunes, of course, being kind of king of the remakes with Chainsaw Massacre, Friday 13th, Elm Street, and Amityville Horror at this period. That didn't happen. Um, there was a lot of like, let's completely reboot again, but just be almost like, it's like Batman, like, you know, the story now we're going to go in a different direction with it. Uh, like there was one that was like, what if Michael Myers, uh, was kidnapped has a little kid along with his friend. And now something happens with a killer in a mask coming back years later. Um, the one I want to just mention briefly though, because it was kind of, it was crazy, but also ahead of its time was a pitch for a trilogy, a reboot trilogy that would have been definitely leaning into supernatural because it would have been a whole thing about like, sort of like, uh, and, you know, the, the writer of the books just says it almost sounds like um, the upside down, although this is before stranger things and kind of how it's described, like kind of this like dark uh, world that, that like that, that why well, I say Michael, but there was no Michael. There was only going to be the shape like a killer in a mask. There was no Michael Myers, mm, even though mm. other characters, there's Loomis and Laurie Strode, um, but it's completely like a total reinterpretation of it all. And that one in the third 
and final movie was going to have a sequence where Loomis, who is our kind of hero through the whole thing, was going to see through into this veil to this other realm into this dark thing. And that the shape being this kind of avatar of darkness. And he was going to see scenes from Halloween 1978, Halloween 4, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, and it was going to be the multiverse of Michael. And so they were ahead of the game on like both like multiverse mania, but even the fact that Halloween was going to become even more of a crazy multiple timeline series. So I thought that was funny. They were uh, ahead of the game with a very bad idea. But with yeah. a crazy idea. And then after that, uh, Dimension finally lost the rights, uh, which is to say Miramax finally stopped leasing them out to them again. Uh, and then someone, I don't know if you've ever met Matt, but I knew, know pretty well, Ryan Turek, um, who used to be a... I know uh, of him. I don't know. Okay. Him. Yeah, yeah. Ryan used to be a, a, an entertainment journalist like Matt and I, except he was exclusively on the horror beat. Uh, Shock Till You Drop, that's who he used to write for. He used to cover Halloween Horror Nights with me and a bunch of different stuff. He changed careers to work for Dimension, and he has now produced a bunch of their stuff. And if you look in the credits of, of, uh, of uh, I say Dimension, Blumhouse, um, not Dimension, Blumhouse. He went to work for Blumhouse, produced a bunch of their stuff, and he is the one who went to Jason Blum and said, we should go after Halloween, um, and got Jason Blum to do that. And then Jason Blum went to meet with Carpenter and said, I want to do this with you. They're, they'll do, they're, uh, someone will make Halloween with or without us, but I only want to do it with you and convince Carpenter to finally kind of come back as like a godfather on the project, not writing and directing, but godfather it, score it, be involved as an executive producer. Um, and, uh, it, and and I'll just say at this, at this point, it's very funny to watch the opening credits because you've got Trankis, which is the Akkad's company who've been there since the beginning. You've got Miramax, who've had the rights since the 90s when Miramax was under Disney. Uh, you've got um Blumhouse who've come in to produce these new movies and you have Universal who's actually distributing the thing so there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen at this point uh but here we go the uh and then this is also a movie where we talked we touched on it last week but of like uh this new realm including Barbarian which was just which just came out a few weeks ago of uh comedians people who are prominently doing comedic work either performing or writing or directing yeah. comedies crossing over into the horror realm and most the most successful of them are david gordon green with this halloween movie and then um jordan peele jordan peele yeah with no nope, with a whole then, career oh, us, yeah, yeah yeah and then so uh this is it, it's it's a fascinating thing and i love to see it like as far as like uh it, it's it's the new version of comedic actors winning oscars for drama right mm -hmm. like where it's like they always say uh, drama's easy, comedy's dying's easy, comedy's hard, right? Mm -hmm. Is the phrase, which is to say, like, yeah, Robin Williams is a clown, but then he could act the shit out of, of a dramatic scene and win an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. And that's happened a couple times. And just, or Tom Hanks is a huge mm -hmm. uh, part of that too, as far as winning an Oscar for Philadelphia after starring in nothing but comedies throughout the 80s, really. Right. But so, getting his first Oscar nomination for Big, which was a comedy but let him kind of show a more like sensitive side than he'd done in his other stuff. So now, now the, now the, uh, the, the cool new thing is for people who make us laugh now make us jump and scream. And, yeah. and it's kind of their thing, but with notably 
their movies are more interesting and the dialogue is a little more cracking and you know there's there's elements of it that show you that there's a cleverness in them that doesn't exist it wouldn't have existed if it didn't come from somebody um from a com- comedic realm um so yeah. then it, I, it it fell on yeah so Danny McBride who's the the front facing performer of this group who's not in any of these movies so far no. Uh, is just writing it because uh, he is a writer and creator as well. Uh, most notably with the things he's in, like he's bound and down or righteous gemstones, stuff like that. Uh, and David Gordon green, who is a director uh, who is sort of helming this with now Carpenter in the background, sort of overseeing everything. But yeah, David Gordon green also comes from Eastbound and down and then red Oaks and vice principals, which also starred Danny McBride. Mm-hmm. And um he do what movies has he done? Oh, Pineapple Express was the big yeah, one. Which yeah, which Danny McBride is in. Uh, and then you know, two other things of note we should mention here going into this movie is that uh, one is that once again, this movie coming out uh, has to be mentioned with other Halloween movies, but this movie coming out at a time where slasher movies are kind of dormant again, and certainly any of the big name ones have. You know, Friday Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street had one and done reboots. Friday Thirteenth has been notoriously had legal issues the past few years with like lawsuits. Um, the, the you know Chucky at this point was like straight to video. At least they were making them. The TV show hadn't begun yet. Uh, we hadn't gotten the Candyman reboot. Chainsaw Massacre had been kind of in a weird place. So it was like Halloween was coming out at a time when we weren't getting like the the fra- the big name and scream hadn't come back and you so know we getting- so that's the thing is that scream just came back so yeah we're it would be four years after this movie that scream returns but which, scream which actually was- makes a, a comment like the fact that like one of the main characters in that movie like really likes the babadook kind of is a comment on like where like yeah the a24 horror that sort of took over over the last decade yeah. you know but with scream, stuff of like course, also- hereditary and the witch and stuff like that yeah Scream happening, of course, you know, coming back, I mean, is influenced by Halloween's huge success. This movie's huge success. Uh, it's always confusing with the damn title. Um, and then also, of course, the decision to not just reboot the timeline again. In such so a- this is a curious decision. What they have chosen to do, and it went through a lot of different ideas. We won't go through all of them, but they decided ultimately that they were going to make a sequel just to the first movie as if everything that came after the first movie did not exist. And the idea that this guy stalking Laurie for no reason, again, if you watch the first Halloween movie, it seems like it's just happenstance. She's the first person who catches his eye because she walks up on the porch. Mm-hmm. It could have been anyone else who walked up on the porch. It could have been Lonnie. Uh, it could have been somebody right. uh, just fucking around with the Myers house, uh, but was way scarier than finding out that that's actually his sister and he's going after her because they're family because that humanizes him. That made him more like, oh, this is a person with actually, you know, uh, siblings. So this was uh, taking it back to the the eeriness of not knowing why he's actually targeting people at all. And they so they, even though they make a joke about it in the movie, they ditch the, the lore about Laurie Strode being the uh, uh being adopted by the strodes and actually being michael meyer's sister and, and, and so, i mean think about how i mean every every halloween movie had been so built on the bones of halloween 2 mm-hmm. and that reveal uh whether jamie lee curtis was in it or not whether it was the the, the cult of thorn trilogy whether it was yeah, because jamie was still jamie lloyd yep. was still her family and yep. and i also read that there was an element where 
she was it was considered that uh actually Lori's daughter in this movie would be Jamie like grown up the the role that Judy Greer plays as Karen mm-hmm. would have been a sort of the Jamie role of her being raised like John Connor was like you know in a survivalist element right, and right. they just decided to do a different character but uh yeah it's it's such an interesting thing uh like you said like that everything is built on that one actual plot thread from Halloween 2 that Laurie Strode doesn't even learn by the end of the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, by the way, uh, as an aside, I, I've tweeted before how much I, I want um, uh, Daniel Harris, uh, Josh Hartnett, and Judy Greer to team up in a uh, children of Laurie Strode multiverse movie. Um, but also, yeah, there's just the fact that this movie is coming out for the 40th anniversary of the original. And so, and we'll talk about the, you know, how much this, uh, is similar to and is not similar and not similar. There's definitely ways it is to H2O. And so it's like, once again, it's like, Hey, we have a big anniversary. Let's get Jamie Lee Curtis back. She is so much like a face of this franchise as along with Michael Myers. It's like, and there's no other horror franchise that has that caliber of quote unquote, final girl leading lady. Um, it's amazing, you know, that she's uh, been involved in this song. So they bring her back, but of course they goddamn Halloween resurrection had killed her, even if they wanted to return that to that timeline. Uh, so yeah, you would get another reboot, uh, but then one that is finally, yeah, just like freed of the shackles of the, the sibling thing, which had just been the complete basis for everything that happened. It's, it's interesting to note that, um, because, okay. So, Halloween H2O, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis returned for that. This movie deals with Laurie's trauma, uh, just like H2O did, but they're in very different ways. Like H2O, she changed her identity, got a very high-profile job, which was very strange for somebody who's going by a different name, and uh, but is obviously sees Michael in reflections, has a drinking problem, uh, has a strained relationship with her son. Uh, there's elements there of like her not being able to let go of the past and being traumatized by. And remember, this Laurie just went through uh, two, uh, two movies of hell. One night, two movies, uh, multiple body counts, stalked by Michael mm-hmm. in two different locations. So this is uh, a much he kept maybe coming even, for her. Yeah. yeah, he kept coming for her. But she also knows it's her brother and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it's a it's an interesting thing to see. Uh, both movies, though, also really do hinge on like a physical altercation showdown as Halloween ends does too, by the way, from the, the teasers that we've seen Yeah, uh, of these two, just fucking fighting each other to the death. Um, so uh, it happened in H2O it's happening again, but this time it's a much different lorry. There's a, it's also funny to, uh, that I mentioned in the movie that they sort of call out like, wasn't he your sister? And it's like, that's just some bullshit people made up. There's also a call out by, I can't remember which character, Dave, Dave, Dave. Who, who talks about like the low, he basically brings up the low body count of the first movie right? Uh, compared to all the movies that because followed Because without it. Halloween 2, without the fact that this guy went to a hospital after and killed most of the staff. Yeah. And it's, it's just he the killed, three teenagers. Uh, two yeah. babysit, he killed two na- three teenagers. Yeah. And, and the mechanic, mechanic along the, because they say his body count is five in total. Judith. Right. But the who's mechanic, to say anyone ever yeah. finds that mechanic well no he is accounted for because they say he has that they say he killed five people and then okay, okay. Be part of that five yeah. so yeah so um it's basically like it, the it's not just uh in the slasher era of the early 80s but even in movies nowadays it's like yeah you've killed three or four people in a movie that's not a big deal and so it's like 
why what's the big deal like why is she so traumatized or what's happening like it wasn't like a huge thing but anyway we're really invested in a very different take on Lori's uh now you know 40 years later what she's been like uh by the way she's gone through two husbands much like Rob Zombie's Dr. Loomis um, <laughs> yeah but the whole the, the big flip here from H2O because yes old well, Rob Zombie's I, I guess he went through two wives but maybe what if it was two husbands who knows <laughs> um um the, the big flip here from HBO, because they are both ultimately about, you know, Laurie Strode, uh, PTSD, having to face her fears and her, you know, physically face Michael again. But the Laurie Strode of HBO having built a life being like literally a functional alcoholic versus this Laurie, who is complete mess. Her kid was taken away from her. Um it breaks down in public in a restaurant but it's, and it's, it's just interesting not able to function but think of this too the h2o Lori strode nobody found michael's body mm-hmm. right so there's this like uh horrible element just looming around her like is he alive will he ever come for me again what's happening whereas this Lori strode is you could it's argue way more damaged than h2o's Lori strode mm-hmm. because she's not able to even function with her family and society this guy's locked up. There's really yeah. no reason she should think that he is going to come. Yet she has set up her whole house as a trap for him. Like mm-hmm. the, it's it's a whole deal where should the like should the day come that he ever gets out, she's prepared. And so yeah, she this Laurie Strode is more traumatized by fewer bodies. <laughs> like yeah, basically yeah. by the only the first movie and dealing with him in the closet and the terrace and all that stuff. So um but yeah it still works so i just want to say blanket statement here this movie is really good i like it so much yeah yeah Yeah. uh this is a movie that where after uh, a long stretch uh they got a halloween movie fucking right and it's you know uh it's it's really good i i've watched it a couple times i think it it holds up with rewatches i really like uh the Mm -hmm. dynamic of all the characters and uh it's it's a Sort of weird to say that this Laurie Strode has more in common with the Laurie Strode at the beginning of Halloween Resurrection than any other Laurie Strode. Because, uh, <laughs> yes. As far as like a fully damaged, psychologically damaged Laurie just waiting for Michael to show up because she's got a trap for him, right? right like that's right. that's the beginning of Halloween Resurrection. Okay, but but you know, there's a lot of and it's inevitable, and I think some are probably purposeful and some aren't. Like, I don't think they were meaning to, I don't think they're like, let's reference Halloween Resurrection. But there are- No, no, no. That was just something I noticed in our franchise. Yeah, no, no. But yeah, I'm just, like- but also saying that a series that's been along, around as long as this one, has done as many reboots as this one, is inevitably going to have echoes, uh, sometimes purposeful homages. And it's like, yes, of course you're going to think of H2O. There are definitely some echoes of Halloween four and things that happen in this. Mm-hmm. And there are some echoes of Rob Zombie's Halloween in this. Yes, there are. Um, yes, yes. So it's, it's a funny, um, it kind of all coalesces in a movie that I think, yeah, is very well done. Okay. Um, so we start with um, basically uh, Smith's Grove and we're in the, you know, to keeping true to the era our entryway into this story are podcasters, or should we say like radio hosts characters a, we can relate to of a serial. T- yeah. Basically off of the back of like something like serial or other yeah. NPR true part, true crime podcasts or radio shows. Uh, that's who these journalists are from overseas who really want to uh, follow up on Michael Myers. So they go to Smith's Grove 
Um, just as a quick aside, though, I want to say the first thing we begin with this movie is the return of the original Halloween font. Just to say the, hey, guys, we're really going back to the original. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to. I even have written here. uh, What is it? Um, Old orange font is what I write. So, yeah, (laughs) I put original font. Uh, Old orange, original. It's all the same. It's all great. Uh, And then we got them basically going to Smith's Grove to try to talk to Michael Myers, who you know, plot device wise, usually is on the, the verge of being transferred. <laughs> which it's is it's October 30th. Yeah. And there's it's, nothing it's more. Nothing better than to transfer a giant maniac on Halloween. It's just <laughs> yeah. un- inevitable. It's inevitable, like Thanos. So and I do and I do have questions here because he's going to be transferred to Glass Hill, which we are told by Sartain, although Sartain is not a reliable person, just the pit of hell. But also, um, Michael in the original was being transferred away from Smith's Grove, but now we learn he was put back in Smith's Grove. So was was Glass Hill where he was being put, where he was supposed to go? Why didn't they put him in the place he was going to be transferred? Uh, why did he end up back Maybe, in Smith's Am Grove? I completely wrong? Is that he wasn't being transferred in the first movie? He was being taken to like a court appointment, even though he hasn't was spoken? Transfer, because they say something about it's, it's the law. It, I, it's a little ah, weird to okay. say, like, oh, he's 21. It's the law. Like, now we have to transfer him. But yeah, I'm not quite. All right. So does that mean everyone in that place is a teenager? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's a little, okay. it's always been a little unclear. Okay, All I know so, is they like to transfer him on October. So Dr. <laughs> Sartain is the new guy. He ta- says he studied under Loomis. Basically, since he's been Michael's main psychiatrist and keeper, uh, for I would assume decades at this point, he requested to be Michael's doctor. He lobbied uh, state of Illinois. Also, I did clock um, that the first time we see Sartain. This time, I clocked that there's a close up of his pen and its strange bone clip, like it's weird looking bone clip. As a so he's cult of thorn is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, so we'll, it's fine. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. So. Um, so yeah, he's Samuel Loomis's former student, and he basically gives the rundown about Michael Myers. He still hasn't spoken in 40 years now that he's been uh, cooped up. We don't know anything at this point, and we won't for a while, actually, uh, about how that night ended, because that was the big thing about the first Halloween movie, is that he wasn't caught, right? Like, nothing... Nothing came of that, but here he is back in Smith's Grove. So something happened. Well, I, I did. I this is the first time. It's actually a couple things I caught this time I had never caught. There is a direct line in this movie, Matt, that I hadn't caught before. That Hawkins stopped Loomis from killing Michael. Uh, that that not only no 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 I no 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 I'm saying we 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 again we don't know how Michael got caught. We know uh, that line. Yeah, we don't know how that li- that night ended, though. Right. We don't know right. how he got back into it, locked up again. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, how if did they didn't stop? go to the hospital? How did they yeah. stop him? Yeah. How did it happen? Yeah. This is this unstoppable killing machine. How did it? No one blew up a room, right? Like, right, right. so uh, what happened? That that's still a. It'll be sort of just a sort of background radiation mystery for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, then also an interesting element here, which is that the the male uh, of the two of this duo. Uh, I don't know their names. I forget. Um, basically walks up to the yellow line in a very, very sort of Bond villain layers type style of like keeping uh, either prisoners. It looks like a giant checkerboard. I where, like that. <laughs> and they're all surrounded by yellow lines that in, in like a square around them of like, mm-hmm. uh, this is as far as like, they, they can't get you if you're beyond this line. He holds up the 
Michael Myers mask that he got from a friend at the ADA's office and holds it up to say he's trying to get him to talk. Basically, everyone in this movie wants <laughs> Dr. Sartain, the podcasters, they all want Michael to say something. They want him to speak. Because Sartain uh, makes it clear he can speak if he wants to. He just won't. <laughs> yeah. And so they think like basically putting him in a room with Laurie Strode or getting them to do an interview together will get him to talk. Uh, but yeah, so he's like, does this mask mean anything to you? And Michael, either either the whole commotion sets the other inmates off or Michael sends out some supernatural like <laughs> power that like stokes the the sort of like the the patients around him into sort of a frenzy uh, well, he, because the guy takes the mask out michael won't react but yeah. everyone else everyone else out. does as if yeah. they're his tendrils so it's 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 yeah. a creepy effective moment though i do question how much allegiance michael would have to that mask now the mask is very important to us as fans and obviously is important yeah. to michael in all the other timelines because He's worn it so much, but we're talking about a guy who wore it one night 40 years ago. Yeah, he likes the mask. <laughs> but it's like, I'm just saying, like, as I wouldn't expect it to get him to talk. That's all I'm saying. Like, if it was um, a different Michael Myers in a different multiverse, I would think he'd have a more of an attachment to it than this Michael Myers. Uh, and I want to mention, um, you know, our, our newest uh, Michael Myers here and this uh, and who will become the first actor to play him in three movies. Uh, James Jude Courtney, who, you know, um, purposefully, they we never see his face fully. Uh, we see it kind of, you know, shadowy, uh, the side of it, mirrors distorted. Um, but, you know, A, I like that he, you know, he's a stunt double, he's a stunt man, and he is, but he's like age appropriate, like he's 65 right now. So he's like the right age to be playing like wires, but seems like a tough, form formidable guy. Um, and also we get glimpses. We see he has the scar in his neck. And his eye is fucked up from what Lori did to him in the yeah. first, like the the hanger and getting stabbed. Like, yeah, that he has uh, he has some permanent injuries from that. And then uh, original shape Nick Castle will do a few little fun bits and bobs for the movie, right, as right. far as like seeing his face in the window and doing some of the original he, breathing he, sounds. He, and stuff. he plays. They always make sure he plays Michael in one scene in each of these movies. Yeah. Okay, so something to mentioned now but sort of table this movie is based off of just the first movie it's a sequel to the first movie in which we're not led to believe there's anything supernatural going on with michael except that he nicely pairs up with like a boogeyman story that's being told between babysitter and babysitting right mm-hmm it's not like he is the embodiment of evil, even though that's what like Loomis, that's his sort of the line he toes. That's sort of uh, the Loomis speak of it all. Uh, he doesn't come off as he's tough. He's slasher movie unkillable, but there's nothing immortal about Michael Myers in the original Halloween necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like he got up after being shot, but that doesn't mean that he's not injured and can't be killed if shot enough. Like there's, there's nothing to suggest that. So going into this movie, this is the same Michael Myers from that movie, the shape. Yeah. And we're going to see what this movie's take is on all of that. Cause we have seen it go all different directions from Rob Zombie insisting that he's just a fucked up kid who kills people because of his upbringing 
and then to change his mind in the next movie almost and introduce supernatural sort of telepathic elements in a weird way mm-hmm. to full supernatural shit happening throughout the first timeline of the movie. Yeah. Um, to him actually it being maybe mortal uh, and us thinking his head got cut off, but it was really a, a switchback, Eric, a switchback, yes. a paramedic switchback. What will this movie's Michael Myers be? How indestructible will he be? What right. can he endure and still keep going? Will it pass a weird breaking point where they will have to make it supernatural or else it doesn't make sense? So we'll mm-hmm. discuss this as these movies go on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so nothing from Michael. He's totally, he totally ices them out. Uh, he's like, fuck you. Uh, I hate NPR. And he's not saying anything. And then basically he's screaming, say something. And it cuts to the title. So we get the original music. We get the cool visual of the crushed decaying pumpkin coming back to life as we get in closer and Recreating the original looking pumpkin. And we even get like, we're talking about the font and everything. Like the, everything is the original style down to like, starring Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie, like the way that that movie did, like, you know, put the character names and stuff, uh, which is not obviously something you always see in films. And we've got the the two journalists going to a gated compound that has like a, the gate, the security cameras, the intercoms, the full schmageggy, and basically offering Laurie Strode $3,000 um, for an interview or for, mm-hmm. for a, a moment of her time. And so basically now we meet Lori out of the gate. We don't know anything about else about her life, except that she lives uh, sort of a reclusive life far away uh, and hyper security with, you know, multiple door locks and a bar that she puts in front of things. Again, he is locked up. So this is just sort of like speaks to how shattered she ha- is. And even this many decades later and uh, hasn't sought the treatment and the help that she needed. Uh, uh, buried herself into something completely different Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that like yeah she is kind of this like uh uh, doomsday prepper lori uh living in yeah this this like uh yeah sort of cabin and you know as we'll see yeah just like training weapons uh you know just only only fixated even though the lori in h2o is like i knew he'd come back one day like this lori uh, certainly wasn't going to be running a uh boarding school because yeah this lori like life i was you know couldn't hold down a relationship couldn't keep her daughter who got taken away by child services when she was 12 and could not function in society in a productive meaningful way like just Mm -hmm. completely like yeah much less become the headmistress of a esteemed private school in northern california right um so uh to the point where like you know pretty soon from now at this moment like she's the one that her granddaughter sees outside the school window like the in place of michael is now yes the the, the fucked up other half of this coin right and and allison says her grand uh, by the way it drives me absolutely fucking crazy that she calls her grandmother i do not understand that um the oh just the full grandmother yeah yeah yeah. uh but you know allison has the line to her friend saying like yeah it pretty it's pretty much all she talks about it defines her life uh that yeah like that like this this fucked her up to pay people who make one thing their whole personality <laughs> we get it. This we guy get it. Your friends. You like to kill horror. You. <laughs> You're spooky. Okay. So, uh, and then we've so then um, basically 
through this little brief exchange before she kicks them out the door, we learn that she lost custody of her daughter, which then um, leads us into the uh, the Nelson household. Nelson, right? Like to the great, yeah. wonderful, evanescent, uh, <laughs> luminous Judy Greer and luminousness. The luminousness, Jimmy <laughs> Greer, and the wonderful Toby Huss, who uh, has been in a ton of things and uh, is delightful in a um, uh, what's what's a Joe Carnahan directed movie that came out a few years ago called Cop Shop. I think just last year, actually. Um, uh, very I'll funny always, as a hitman in Cop Shop. Uh, uh, I'll always love him for Adventures of Pete and Pete, where he played Artie, the strongest man in the world. Uh, but he's great. Very funny. Uh, and uh, although it's just funny, I was thinking about um, the timeline of of just the this reality, and that I guess we have to think that both Lori and Karen had to have had their respective daughters very young because it's been only it's been forty years, but there's been like two generations of girls. You know, Lori was seventeen. Now she's had a daughter who's a grown woman who has a seventeen year old daughter, but also. Uh, we have to kind of think about like, oh, well, her husband is older than her because her husband went to school with Lonnie, who was like, you know, a kid that would have been the age of the kids that Lori was babysitting. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like yeah. every well, it's, yeah, noticeably possible, by the way. It's not like none of this couldn't happen. It's just like trying to think about how this would. Yeah, all I mean, he's like seven or eight years older than karen it's yeah it's not the the biggest age gap in the world but it's noticeable yeah but yeah so it'd have to uh, be more it'd have to be more than that though uh just for her to be born and i think i guess i was basing it on the actor's real age. yeah no i I, because i was thinking she judy Greer has to be playing a few years younger for this to make sense okay uh but also laurie would have had again and i think it it works fine to say laurie had karen when she was like 19 or something because this the sublime superb judy greer is our age so Yes, yes okay um yeah, so then we got the uh, the household, and it's a fun household. Uh, it's not nobody's like rubbing bagels on their titties. It's not like the Rob Zombie household, but it's still a fun. It's it's still a fun household. You know, I mean, where, he he gets peanut butter on his penis. Yeah, like they still say like off kilter uh, silly things that like make you uh, realize oh, that this is. I am laughing so much now, imagining these actors playing the Rob Zombie family. <laughs> I'm gonna skull fuck you. Um, <laughs> Oh man, uh, <laughs> that would have been that would have been Jimmy Greer's line. <laughs> so yeah, well, I hope yeah. Um, uh, the dream, right? The dream. So uh, Toby Huss uh, is wonderful as Ray, and uh, you know he's uh, setting up some mouse traps. You know what, Eric? To the mice, he's Michael Myers. You know what I mean? Like he's out to kill them and their whole family. And uh, he brings up, he's the one who brings up Lonnie because Lonnie is the father. Yes. Cameron's Cameron, dad. Cameron yes. who we haven't met yet is uh, Allison's boyfriend, uh, peanut butter on the penis. And uh, <laughs> then we get the whole like estranged element between Karen and Lori. As and for as, those like, who don't remember Lonnie, he was a very minor role in the original V as one of Tommy's classmates. Um, one of the taunters of Tommy but the one that Loomis scared away when he was like the, the his friends were trying to goad him into going up to the Myers house and Loomis yelled, uh, Lonnie, get your ass out of here. Yeah. Uh, so Lonnie is unseen in this movie, but mentioned often as kind of a fuck up 
and a guy who like you know uh, had wild times with uh with ray with ray like they did peyote together and all that Mm -hmm. stuff um and there's uh some honor society dinner or a function or event or something that uh she really wants grandmother to come to but uh karen lies and said she invited her but she really didn't and uh then we meet uh dave and well actually vicky right vicky yep the the boy uh Vicky, played by Virginia Gardner, who was on right. Marvel's Runaways on yep. Hulu for three seasons as uh, Katarina. Is that her name? I can't remember the Runaways names. Yes. Uh, Carolina. Carolina Dean. Car- Carolina. I said yes. Carolina Dean. A very different role than this. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah. So and then her boyfriend, Dave, as they're walking down the street. I only mention these names because we're about to meet two more different people that don't really <laughs> two other sets of friends in a way that don't cross paths with these other two friends so like the only connective tissue is allison in the middle but yeah one thing i would i would guess rob zombie would appreciate is that all three of the teenage boys in this movie have like 70s hair have like long 70s hair even though it's 2018 yeah he would appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) i mean uh he would probably still be complaining that no one threatened to skull fuck anyone in the past (laughs) two minutes but yeah this is a bad field i know and love (laughs) So yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Um, so yeah, uh, then we've got, um, then we meet at the school. So we do have one babysitter element. So it's not, it's a, a little hearkening back to the original movie. Vicky is going to babysit while others are going to a Halloween party. And that it involves- does seem like the kids of Haddonfield are getting to enjoy Halloween much more in this movie. There is a Halloween dance. Well, that's the thing. It's been 40 years, right? Like they haven't been perpetually terrorized. on. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more the whole thing of like the idea in the original Halloween and the, you know, the continuing some of the other movies that like all the parents choose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The parents for their orgies and the kids have to, you know, be stuck with responsibility. Yeah, the shoes on the other foot. It's the kids having the orgies and the parents have to stay at home. Uh, and get killed by Michael Myers as he walks through their house, right? Right. <laughs> like, picking up hammers and knives. So um, then we've got uh, Cameron, the boyfriend, mm-hmm. and his friend. What's his friend? Oscar. 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 Yeah. And they seem fine. They seem fun. Um, and they're talking about a Halloween party. They keep bringing Oscar's up a, the wacky friend. A, a Bonnie and Clyde costume, but there's a twist. The twist that they won't mm-hmm. mention to um her parents which is interesting like how old-fashioned are we supposed to think karen and ray are first of all ray's walking around just fully uh mentioning or boasting humble bragging that he's got peanut butter on his penis but also like bringing up the peyote he did and all oh, yeah. that stuff. I don't like, think it was an old fashioned thing because they, I think it was just that they wanted to surprise people that they, that they had. Oh, okay. Had I thought he, I thought she didn't, Allison didn't want Cameron to mention the gender swapping element of their couple's no, costume. No, I, I, I read it because they wouldn't like, ha- don't be able give to handle away it. our fun surprise. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I could deal with that a lot more because it didn't okay. feel like <laughs> yeah. that Karen would be somebody who would like fully. Karen and Ray would be cool with that. Yeah. Good, good. I'm glad you agree with me. Okay. <laughs> Cause that seemed odd. Um, and, and it's during this that they actually also, we, they talk about the things we already brought up, which is like, no, it's not uh, her brother. Michael Myers is not Laurie's brother. Uh, didn't they only, didn't only three people die in the original movie? That seems low by today's standards, stuff like that. Um, basically, a lot of this is a way to introduce us to new characters, but also like 
every other line will be a little new bit of information about what's happening. Um, and subtly echo the original, you know, three mm, friends walking, walking down together. The street. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Allison looking out the window, except instead of creepy Michael, it's creepy grandmother. And um, that is yeah. actually uh, PJ souls who played Linda in the first movie as the voice, you know, of the off-screen English teacher yeah. in Allison's class. So it got a little uh, original star Halloween star cameo in there as a voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say later in the uh, pr- actually pretty soon now, because uh, uh, grandmother Lori meets our, her outside the school to try to give her money. And then it cuts to Lori doing target the money, the money that she was given by the podcasters. So we, we see that she wasn't going to pocket it. She just wants to give it to Allison. Yeah. And she wants her to just go away, leave Haddonfield, if not just for her safety, uh, a, but also be like, go live life in a way that I never could. Right. Because I'm so completely, you know, wrapped up like a pretzel in my brain. So, and, and the big thing here being that Allison and her have a connection, have a bond that Karen and Lori do not. Like Karen and Lori have a very uh, rough relationship. A little more satisfying element at the end of this movie, uh, because Karen is sort of painted. Uh, it's not like an unflattering light, but she is lying on several occasions about her mom to. Mm-hmm. Allison and so for Ray you know sadly Ray doesn't make it but like Ray before he dies and then Allison eventually do does get to see like Laurie's house and the basement and like the fucked up way that Karen was raised right like we even get flashbacks in this movie to Karen as a little kid like being trained and like basically again like Sarah and John Connor like for Mm -hmm. an oncoming storm that they wind up like thinking is bullshit later on. Like John doesn't, but like Karen at this point, you know, is trying to forget all about that. Um, John, John did think that a little bit in T2 though. He was like, you know, oh, well, yeah, so- yeah. But then until the Terminators showed up. Right. Until the Terminators, <laughs> until the Terminators <laughs> fucking showed up. So, and I guess that's the same thing with Allison too here. Um, when uh, Michael Myers, who is a Terminator uh, shows mm-hmm. up. And then, so then we get to what I wanted to talk about voiceover wise, which is the Loomis tapes where they yeah. did get an actual Loomis sound alike, which is why I didn't understand why they couldn't just fucking do that earlier. Uh, maybe this was computer generated. I don't know. Cause it sounds a lot like Donald. I don't Pleasant's. think it, it been, was, but I, I just think they got a better, yeah. Sound alike. I mean, better dude. I mean, uh, we, I, we, I can't remember if I, we talked about this, if I brought this up in, in relation to Loomis or just another time out at wizarding world of Harry Potter, when they couldn't be- get Radcliffe and Emma Watson back to do more, they did the original ride but when they added Diagon Alley and they wanted them all to come back for more. And only Rupert Grint said yes of those three. Mm-hmm. So they had to get sound alikes and they got a decent Radcliffe, but em- the Emma Watson sound alike is terrible. Like it just doesn't sound like Hermione. And I know there are people that can, of course, do a better impression. Like there are amazing impressionists out there. I know they could have found someone who did a better. They just got a woman with a British accent. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, So I think that was the Loomis case here. Which is what they just do. They just got a dude with a British accent. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then, yeah, uh, grandmother shows up at the dinner that she wasn't invited to, but she pretends she was invited to and then actually actively breaks down because it's at that. No, it's not at that moment. When does she, when does the dinner happen in relation to her? Okay. She doesn't know Michael, the bus has had an accident yet, but she shows up to the dinner crying anyway. Um, and she has a, a moment that I found a, a quick moment that I was like, oh, that's, that's poignant, which is before she breaks down, uh, which yeah. is her saying, uh, 
I was in the honor society too because it's like, oh yeah, she was like a bookworm when we met. Well, her. yeah, exactly. So like, what is the potential lost here for Laurie right. Strode? Like, what could she have become in her life as far as like if this had not happened to her, she would have had a completely different future. One, she would have you know, run like, a, a school in North California. <laughs> she would have. She would have. But like, and that's the other thing is like why she wants like Allison to do her own thing and like to sort of maximize her life. Yeah. Um, and she she even says the shape like she's crying and she says I saw the shape, um, mm-hmm. mentioning him. And um, this is also when you know Karen talks about like I never told you I spent my childhood and all that stuff. But then we get the transfer. So the transfer night. Dr. Sertain insists on coming along and we, um, man, this is something because we've seen Michael Myers escape so many times at this point, honestly, we don't see it happen. We don't know what happens. We see the aftermath and the killing in this movie starts in a very big way. Not only does the killing in this movie start with the, with the killing of a child, an on-screen, like on not screen. even, yeah, not even on like screen. his body, yeah, yeah, not like, oh, that sucks that happened to that that young boy named Lumpy. Yeah, uh, we're gonna watch Michael Myers choke this guy to death and kill him, like mm-hmm. uh, humane death compared to most, but like still very shocking. Like, yeah, I mean that happens the at door all, and, to... and, it, and it obviously echoes Annie, but it's even more violent, you know, with how he does it. But like a, a, a way to usher Michael Myers back into our lives as a killer is like, and this is the first thing he does that we see him do mm-hmm. uh, is absolutely crazy. We don't know what he did on the bus. We don't know how many guards and inmates actually died during this. So again, this movie starts the carnage and we already have a big question mark with regards to the body count. So which is almost to say, maybe don't pay attention to the body count. Maybe don't, uh, that's not, you know, don't define the movie by how many people dies because honestly we don't know ourselves right um, there's a, there's <laughs> a, there's one security guy from the bus we find his body later but yeah uh we don't know because then the patients are also wander off and it's mentioned but we don't see them again uh but I, yeah this whole sequence i really like uh obviously they're doing a direct echo of the original with the, the patients wandering mm-hmm, the road mm-hmm. it's creepy once again which will never be a, never not be a terrifying yeah, image yeah yeah I mentioned a horror nights is very creepy this year in Orlando. Uh, also, we should mention though that the way we meet this kid and his dad, and this scene about the kid talking about how he wants to be, you know, dance more, is a very charming scene, and is definitely, I think, of course, where you see like that, you know, comedic minds wrote this horror movie, which is a straightforward horror movie. It's not a comedy horror movie. Um, there is a scene later in the movie that's a much more debated scene as far as what is this doing here about the Bon Me scene. I think it's uh, just because of I honestly I don't have a problem with the dialogue. It's, I think it's just the pause that it creates in the in the momentum. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I, I agree, which is to say, I think this sequence probably does that a little better, which is just spending time with characters we don't know that are it's a horror movie. So they're probably just here to be victims, which it turns out we're correct on. But it's a nice little scene between them. I think they said that that kid, they talked to the kid and he really likes to dance. And they ended up kind of coming up with on the moment like, oh, that's what your character will be. Uh, but it's a nice little moment before a lot of horrific stuff will happen, but also with things that feel like realistically chaotic, like the kid shooting Sartain as he yells, don't shoot um, in the bus and then panicking and freaking out and running into the car where he will be murdered. Uh, but yes, also, as we mentioned, 
killing a kid on screen is still a rarity in a horror movie and uh, the fact that the, this happened in this one it was yeah, very effective yeah it's a it's a cool way i like that we actually didn't see how the um the accident happened yeah um that it happened also incident uh, separately from dr sartain because you know honestly what we learn about him later you'd think he orchestrated something like this yeah. but he seems to be caught up actually in the 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 the, the maelstrom of it all anyway so uh, but yeah, he gets accidentally shot. This is how Michael actually also winds up. He gets a car because the father and son pull over and Michael kills the kid in the car, drives away. And then, um, you know, uh, we meet Will Patton, the great Will Patton, who's in mm-hmm. so many different things that we like. And we enjoy him. Uh, uh, first and foremost, the postman. Um, no, <laughs> I think that was the first movie, though. I took notice of Will Patton. Obviously, he's been in a ton of things, but um that movie because he had the prominent role in that movie of the villain and the postman mm-hmm. um that really i was like oh yeah this guy uh and then he was just everywhere after that i mean so. i watched a lot of falling skies so i'm on that and he is on the mega 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 popular yellowstone uh a show that matt and i have not seen but they don't need us because which yellowstone uh yellowstone original recipe oh yeah uh, original or, okay. recipe yellowstone yeah okay um He's always good in mm-hmm. everything. Uh, and not everything he's in is good, but he's <laughs> always good in everything. Um, and he's kind of being retconned in here as a guy who was a young deputy the night of the original killings. Uh, you know, we didn't see, we, we didn't see everyone who worked for Brackett, but that he was there that night. Yeah. And again, still a lingering mystery of like what happened after uh, Loomis shot him and he fell off the the, the terrace of the house. We don't uh, know what's, what's going on. Um so yeah, uh, Deputy Frank Hawkins is his name, and he gets basically he gets a call. He gets a call um, about this crime scene, about the bus stuff, and then we get uh, then we get we're back to the podcasters mm-hmm. who are visiting in in another sort of like shadow, echoey shadow of the first movie of the the walk with the the cemetery caretaker, mm-hmm. uh, talking about Judith Myers. But at this point, at this time, we actually see Michael. What's so special about Judith Myers? We see Michael. And then we get actually also get clips of the original movie here. Or is it recreated? No, it's the original because the the actress who played Judith Myers gets a credit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the original kill of Judith Myers. But then also Michael is in the cemetery. The Um, only nudity in this movie is 40-year-old nudity of uh, Judith. That's the only nudity I want is 40-year-old nudity. Um, (laughs) The 40-year-old nudity. (laughs) And so we see him actually don't, you know, see him clearly, but he's in the background wearing um, the the, uh, sanitarium white Mm -hmm. uh, uh, here. And this is how he, we assume at this point, uh, I I don't know why he follows the podcasters what do you think i keep calling podcasters though not necessarily that but still no, they're podcasters uh, they, they got their start in uh public radio but they're podcasters um so uh, we, they go to a gas station next and he's followed them there i think yeah but like is it because they were asking about judith myers you know again i'm i'm gonna have a few questions like i have in previous movies about why and how he gets to the place he gets man to. he wants that mask oh that's it that's it. Okay, you got it. Thanks. You answered it for me. Yeah, because yeah, the guy <laughs> had the mask. He made yeah. a mental note of it. He's like, he's got to still have it. Fortunately, fortunately, he actually still had it in the trunk of his car. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he goes, he kills them in the bath. 
bathroom in a very Joe Grizzly situation. We get another, this is another weird echo of a, of a Rob Zombie movie, which is that like, you know, targeting somebody in a bathroom while uh, they're very vulnerable. Well, uh, the, yeah, she, yeah, woman shitting. Yeah, it is. That's true. <laughs> Someone shitting in the in a ba- public bathroom. Uh, yeah, the, like, you don't want someone shaking on your door. And then much less. She, she doesn't talk about heat. the burrito. She needs to clear. But uh, <laughs> but let's also totally bring imagine. up H2O in the fact that he was in a bathroom with another woman in a stall. Oh, that's true. But, but this, she is all very, this she is lived. all very creepy. I remember this was in the trailer, him holding the, dropping the teeth um of the, mecha- the mechanic that he killed for the for the jump yeah. for the uh, and, and we're kind of oh, i know we're jumping around within even the sequence but i, I this I, there's a lot of stuff i like here including when the uh yeah i forget these characters names too but the male podcaster when we see he in the in in the background we see michael killing the mechanic to get his uh coveralls back our new pair of coveralls and it's just way in the background blurry you could easily miss it um that that's happening i thought that was a fun way to do that um, uh dana and aaron are these dana two and aaron, yeah but I, I, as i learned their names as we don't have to mention them anymore because they're killed off um they are killed off and we also one thing we jumped past that i want to mention quickly is um uh sheriff barker uh you know we have to meet the new sheriff in hadfield uh he we don't know a lot about him except he likes his cowboy hat and he's very like dismissive of like Michael Myers loose with a bunch of nutbags and Han- and Hanfield and Halloween. What are you gonna do? Cancel Halloween? The last yeah, it's uh, like maybe, the, maybe. The human version of the uh, emoji shrug. Yeah, right. Like, wham, wham. Um, they get in a meta bit here because when they talk about Michael, they go, "Oh, the babysitter murders," which was the name of the original script for Halloween in you know seventy eight before they were gonna call it before Halloween. Uh, the babysitters and Bob murders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's me. Uh, and then, yeah, so he kills them. Uh, uh, poor girl has to actually crawl on a gross bathroom floor before I she know gets she was killed. trying to That's find the cleanest stall, and then she That's has terrible. to crawl into the dirty ones. Um, and then, yeah, it's all and then Michael all shit in her mouth. It's all terrible. Yeah, <laughs> the worst way to go. Okay, no so um, about that. Um, and he gets the mask back and he's like, yay. He's like, yay. And then everyone around him says, yay, and claps, which is weird. <laughs> it's like, frame. okay, guys. Yeah. All right. Um, there was an interesting thing when they when they are pumping gas and stuff. I think we see him walk in the background where he's still wearing the sanitarium white, like <laughs> before he kills for the uh, um, the mechanic uh, mm-hmm. outfit. Okay. So he's got his onesie back, Eric, and he's got his mask. It's mm-hmm. like the gang's back together. He's like, I could finally kill more kids um I got my killing clothes i mean i was already killing but and then we get the line from frank about how he was there that night um oh actually this isn't the line yet about mm-hmm. how he stopped loomis from killing him but the, he mentions he was there that night mm-hmm. and then we get the halloween party oh no no so before the halloween party comes one of the best sequences of the movie which is like michael myers well, well before that just to make we we get the establishment of the bunker b- beneath the kitchen like we get like you know that we we see that that is what Lori has created yeah uh down there and this is also the time when um uh yeah michael's just out he's out to prowl and what a great sequence uh you know all done in one take and one shot and so uh, let's just mention here michael is not after Lori strode nope he gets brought to Laurie Strode. Like he just mm-hmm. sort of like happens upon her because of the doctor and all the things that happen at the end. He's just like, Hey, I'm my old neighborhood. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm going to start killing people. And this is way more 
like the swimming shark. This is just way more like whoever's in my path that I can kill, I'm going to kill. And so he, yeah, it's just this whole like walking around, ki- grabbing a hammer, killing the woman off screen, uh, leaving the baby though, um, mm-hmm. walking into a different house in a great sequence as far as like somebody getting a phone. I'm wondering who get who's getting this phone call about like Michael Myers is, is released. Right, right, right. It doesn't it uh, seem like she's getting a warning. Maybe she's about to, to stay indoors. Bob, that's Bob's sister or something. Um, yeah, this is a really cool sequence. Just you know, the the way we we follow him through it all. Uh, there's you know, uh, again, there's a lot of nods. Nod it definitely feels like a nod to Halloween too when he wanders into the back and gets the hammer and walks in with the woman inside. Um, but also, like you said, he's indiscriminately killing. Yet he is measured in that we feel like. He He's knows not killing better. kids up and down the streets. No, right? exactly. Not like, he knows yeah, yeah. better that if he does that, that it's you know he's going to be swarmed. So he doesn't do that. Um, he yeah, it's like again, there's you know a nod to the original because the kid walks right into him like in the original. But yeah, he that he's he's picking his targets. He's just going in and out and uh, acting. So I, it should be brought up that this is a very interesting new way to present Michael Myers because for decades now, he's just been doing the pop-up, you know, you see his face in the background, you know, he's out there. And so we follow the victim as they walk around waiting for him to pop out somewhere. We are following him at this point. And it is still, it's a different type of horror, different type of unsettling feeling rather than like us waiting for Michael to pop up and kill the person we're watching. Mm -hmm. We're watching him walk around and kill people. And and it's still a different, it's, it's scary, but in a different way. And, it, we're following him instead of the victim. Uh, yeah. But then, I mean, that changes when he gets to the 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 actual house Vicky's babysitting at. But it's, um, yeah, it's just a cool way. I actually could have done with another sequence like this during the movie, mm-hmm. but it's still great just as it is. Um, yeah. So then we get the babysitting friend with, again, the comedian's touch here. Uh, Vicky and Julian, I could watch an entire movie of Vicky. I mean, the fact Julian. that they got a kid... <laughs> <laughs> who is really funny and great. And the two of them have a really fun, you know, natural dynamic together. So yes, this was, uh, it, it does have, um, it's funny. There's always those moments where you're like, I would have cut that, which is, I wish Julian didn't yell, oh shit, when Michael actually comes out of the closet, because that's the moment where it should just be scary. Yeah. But everything before that, I think is really funny. And uh, I also like when he runs out and because Dave was actually, (laughs) Dave comes back in. It's like, no, don't go. Dave, you're going to die. Like that. that I'm okay with Dave. (laughs) Dave, you're going to (laughs) die. That feels natural to me. Um, But yeah, everyone, the way people talk, uh, it feels, you know, heightened, but just the right amount, just the right amount of, they're not like Kevin Williamson clever, but they're more natural and funny than that. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're, they're smart. And, sort of uh witty in a different way that uh a way for a new era eric and uh, yeah, i am so confused th- by dave getting a tattoo and then she says you're getting dry fucked it's like did he get the tattoo thinking he was going to lose his virginity or was it just we're just gonna like make out tonight and i want a tattoo for that <laughs> it's not clear i don't know i don't feel like dave <laughs> makes great decisions in general sure. like, i mean i definitely he's setting the- off like he's like is i did this to commemorate the day i stuck a firecracker inside someone's Pumpkin, pumpkin and blew it up I this mean, morning. I, ultimately, it doesn't matter because I do appreciate the darkness of he got a tattoo to, to, for the day he died. I yeah. just, it's, yeah, I'm a little confused about how he got there, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so then, 
Yeah, Vicky's And a dead. bunch of nods here, by the way. Like, Dave goes outside and there's a bunch of sheets being, you know, hung out yeah. um, by Julian's family, presumably. You and know, and when, course... when, uh, when, when Frank eventually finds her body, she's yep, under a sheet, uh, a sheet yeah. which, and he's, it gets the boyfriend death, which is the uh, stab to the wall. But uh, this time so... he's uh, face first. He's turned around. Yeah. So it's all different, but the same, right? Mm-hmm. And do you oh, think- Oh, really cool so... visual, by the way, I want to say when- um. When Michael is attacking Vicky and like Julian's whatever his like kid nightlight, like the green lights on Michael's mask, it looks really freaky and cool. We should mention that this was random, right? So it's yeah. not like, again, he's not killing Vicky to get to Allison, to get to Karen, to get to Lori, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, we just assume that he's going down the street and finding different houses. And this was like yep. the next one or something, you know? Maybe so, he's like, oh, cool, a babysitter, like old times. Yeah, thing. he's like, oh, he's like, gets me right here. Like, uh, <laughs> right. You know, look at, he's like, look at my arm. Uh, look at the the hair standing up. I got goosebumps. So, um, doctor meets. When does the doctor meet Laurie Strode? But also, I want to mention. Um, oh, at the crime scene, all the stuff they find yeah, the injured doctor. And this doctor. is also okay. though when we get for the first time in this series, um, we get the direct. Halloween three reference with the three kids dressed in the silver shamrock masks um, yes. who are outside uh, when like when this guy turning into a crime scene there. Somehow they survived the silver shamrock massacre that happened. Uh, <laughs> Other timelines. When all the uh, bugs came out of people. Okay. Um, then we've got, uh, yeah, Lori meeting Dr. Sartain and even calling him the, oh, you're the new Loomis. Right. And uh, which functions both as a meta moment, but also she's so dismissive, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Then we learn about Frank being like one of the first responding deputies and prevent to stop Loomis from killing Michael that night. Uh, This is nothing we see happen. It's just words Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, then Sartain, he's already weird, but then he really starts to sort of turn about talking more about like how obsessed he is with Michael and like what, what Michael feels, what he feels. Is it a random path? Is he emotionally driven? He also must not be harmed. You know, it's very, uh, very Burke from aliens. It's very like, <laughs> yeah. um, don't harm the scientific subject. Uh, the, he's valuable to uh, me and my perverse likes. So, and then we've got, um, the Halloween party I kind of skipped over, but basically Allison saw Cameron kissing someone else and they kind of had a, a, a little bit of a blow up and she left him there. She is now walking home with Oscar. Cameron disappears from the movie. He wasn't originally, there was a scene shot. Uh, I think he gets arrested or something, um, but they, that got cut for time. So he does vanish from the movie. We should mention, I, I think we, I don't think we, it was actually, actually brought up with the fact that this was a planned trilogy, Right. Because it was a planned trilogy, but without the green light for two, two and three. So they had to kind of play that. So thing again, like, like yeah. Rob Zombie's Halloween, mm-hmm. this could act as an end. Yep. With Cameron not showing up, would be weird, but whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's still like you could not watch Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, right? And this is still a fantastic end to Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's like, just a as, two movies as, story, as it stands, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if you don't like what happens in kills or specific even ends, which is supposed to be the end end. Uh, yeah, just stick with this movie. <laughs> right, uh, it right. acts as an end. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It, it, she even says goodbye to him. She's like, goodbye. And he's like, bye. <laughs> um, and then so, yeah, this is the uh, 
um, Oscar uh, tries to kiss Allison and she leaves him alone, which leads to fun with motion sensor lights and Michael Myers, which is a fun, cool new visual scene. A cool, uh, effective scene, even yeah. though the motion lights are very uh, erratic about how long or not long they stay on and off. That's okay. It works very well Has as far as Michael moving, even though he shouldn't be able to, but that's part of the fun of Michael. Like when the lights are off, he's getting closer. And yeah. One thing I always liked about this is that he gets killed on the gate, but then she sees it happen because she could have just kept walking and like there could have been a different second half of this movie where it, she learns later that Michael's there, but no, she comes back, sees him dead and then actually gets to and see Michael. Michael. Yeah. Cool. Behind and the, the best thing. new um, piece of music in this movie kicks in when she sees that um, as far as Carpenter, Carpenter wrote the score with his son and mm-hmm. another colleague, Cody, Cody. And yeah. there's a great, uh, great, great musical. Like, yeah, I love the piece that plays here. The kind of, Rising dreadful piece when Allison sees my. Uh, it's Daniel Davies who's their other collaborator mm-hmm. um, with music, uh, and um, so yeah. So now it's on, right? Like, and it's not like again. He's not. He he has no idea that going after her is going after the granddaughter of Laurie Strode. He's just. Right. These are just random. Like it's all sort of like happenstance occurrence that for the sake of movie them. Um, we're about, you know, we're about to talk about the Sartain of it all because this is Sartain's big reveal here, which I don't love. It's the one part of this movie that always felt weird to me. But I guess I, I do like a little bit that Sartain wants there to be the connection that's not there, right? Like Sartain is like, Lori and Michael, like, survive because they need to, they're pursuit of each other. But ultimately, Michael only ends up facing Lori because Sartain literally drives him there. And the idea is that, yeah, Lori herself was wrong about Michael being obsessed with her. Why are you so obsessed with me? Um, and that he is just this random. Well, you know, so that's killer. the thing. It's like Sartain and Lori have these fixations on Michael that he doesn't have. have and pro- yeah. they project onto him and in turn doom themselves in a way to revisit it because, yes. because they are assuming. And so I'm going to ask that of these movies too in an interesting roundabout way, as far as like this movie really sort of proving a point of like Michael Myers is just a random killer. And it's only the people who uh, are convinced he's coming back to to them that make him come back to them Mm -hmm. in a weird roundabout way. Then as we go forward, I won't give too much away about the next movie or so, because neither of us have seen ends yet, but obviously we've seen the second one kills as far as like um, how, it's it's one of those things where is he a random killer? How, I don't know. I can't put it to words for. Well, no, I think I think you're. Let me, tell me if you, this is at all what you're talking about, which is that because Michael's never going to give a monologue, as far as we know, we can wonder. I hope that's the final like 15 <laughs> minutes of, of ends. Lori, yeah. let's talk. No, we can wonder. It is possible. It is it's a we're speculating that at the end of this movie. He never intended to go find Lori, didn't care. He's literally put on her doorstep because of Sartain, ends up, and he ends up confronting her. Does that then spark within him? Oh, it's that girl. And right. now, now maybe he does care again. But, but okay, but like not giving have. away too much about the path of the second movie yeah. of Halloween Kills, which is that. But, I, but, I, but yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about next You week, remind but, me, but like, yeah. isn't his path in the second movie just to go home? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, well, again. Well. Well. Yeah. I, I think the ultimate 
ultimate thing here. There could be that aside there. You could wonder if when he sees her in the at, at her house at the end of the yeah, movie, he's like, you. does it have yeah. like, oh, it's you. I want to fucking kill you like I did 40 years ago. But at the same time, it was never like I have to get Laurie Strode. And that definitely, I mean, that's a very conscious decision from the moment they undid the sister thing. It's like, yeah, that this is randomness um, as much as Sartain and like you said, Laurie would kind of like to think otherwise. Yeah. Um, and uh, we should mention that at this point, Laurie has found out all this stuff, gone home. Everyone's worried because Allison's still out. Um, do we know what happened to her cell phone? I don't know why people can't. It was call thrown her. in the uh, the cheese dip. By there we go. There Cameron we go. When he was pissed, yeah. Okay, so then um, they go basically. Ray and Karen go to Lori's house to her compound, and this is where Ray is like, "What is all this bullshit?" You know, like it's crazy stuff. Um, but Allison is in Hawkins' car with Sartain, yes. which is when they spot Michael, and it's not they don't pull a. A uh, local teenager decides to dress like Michael Gag again. It is Michael. Uh, yeah, and see. so basically, he gets Michael gets run over, and Sartain is like super pissed. Yeah. Um, and this is when you, you're talking about the turn. Sartain too is also like a uh, like you said. There's mixtape elements going on here. There's wholly original elements, and then there's also mixtape elements, mm -hmm. and one of them. Are the is the crazy doctor that was sort of like uh, that you could sort of infer was sort of cult of thornish as far as somebody who yeah, wants you, to you, nurture and study Michael's condition and madness yeah. rather than help lock him up and secure him and put him away. Um, yeah, you referenced that earlier, and it was like, yeah, when when so Sartain takes out a special pen, which turns out to have a retractable blade, and stabs Hawkins in the neck. And I remember when this movie came out, someone tweeted something that, and I was like, yes, a bunch of people, myself included, replied yes to, which is, yeah, someone tweeted, did anyone else think when that happened, he was about to pull up his sleeve and reveal a cult of thorn tattoo? Yeah. And the answer is 100%. I was like, oh my God. Honestly, <laughs> be honestly, it would have been thorn. awesome. <laughs> and like, maybe ends will even, you know, we're not over yet. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but I'm just saying like, it, it, it like, all you need to do... If it's if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. You can explain things, right? Like, uh, obviously, I don't think that necessarily works without the previous bad telling of the story. Right, right. I don't because think it's, it's like if, if, it. if six hadn't yeah. existed, that wouldn't uh, like it wouldn't have now been something to redeem with a good movie. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I don't think you could pull it out of nowhere. Okay. Although so, again, I don't love Sartain. He's maybe my least favorite element here. I have softened on that a little in that I do like that he does kind of, he's another embodiment of like wanting to put meaning that isn't there onto this. You know what's soft? I don't love that he wants to like, you know, kill people and wear Michael's mask. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, what softened a lot is his head because it really fucking explodes everywhere. It like, does. That is, and that's uh, a huge pop. again, uh, I think it was Zombies Halloween 2 where he curb stomps someone to death. Yeah. I will say, uh, when it happens in Halloween 2, in both movies, it's super gory, but in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, it takes like five stomps. This Michael, again, because he's like the original deal, he's one, one stomp. <laughs> just uh, As big as Tyler Mayne's Michael was, he needed to do it a few times. Uh, this Michael just, bam, Sartain uh, bursts. There you and go. again, so yeah, like how we'll get, we'll, we'll debate this 
off and on going forward as far as like how strong, how resilient, how supernatural is this Michael? And I think the answer has always been from the original movie. There is a sprinkling of supernatural that is implicit with Michael. But yes, how far is too far? That's always the sliding scale of it. And uh, I think we'll talk about that in the next movie. So then, yeah, wearing the mask. uh, And then, you know, Allison here proving to be sort of a, earning her honor society stripes as far as like being pretty cleverless, you know, figuring out exactly what to say to Sartain to get him to stop. And, uh, you know, there's the moment. So creepy. It's all creepy. Anytime. Although also it's happens, like, as far uh, as like putting Michael Myers, obviously next. to us, obviously to us, obviously to people who have been watching Michael Myers movies for so long, we know he is not dead. And she's just putting a feral Michael Myers in the back of a, right next to Allison in the back of the cop car. Um, And I like that Sartain also is like, because he's again, desperate to put together pieces of a puzzle that might not be able to put together when he's just like, she said, Oh, Michael spoke. He said a word. And he's like, what was it? Was it sister's name? Was it Judith? Because it's like, he wants there to be this like stuff there, this, this connection. No, no. Yeah, exactly. And so she figures that out about yeah. him and like uses that to distract. And then Michael like basically smooshes him against the wheel, crushes his head outside, but it allows her, her chance to um, scoot out of there and run away. But they but are now this, in front of Lori's place. Yeah. Right. At this point. So yeah, like the journalists earlier, Sartain has Laurie Strode plans as far as like, we need to put these two and see what happens. Um, <laughs> he has very specific things. He kind of like wants. the real world. We wanted to see what would happen. But, but like, so like handle NBC's Hannibal did this to a much more playful effect. It's like, Hey, what'll ha- what happens if I do this? I don't know. Let's find out. Like, yeah. you know, he often doing things that could endanger him as well. <laughs> like, as far as like combustible elements of like causing chaos and the people around him or like the FBI and stuff like that. Sartain has like a wish list, I think, but also is kind of like very curious about what happens. Yeah. Sartain's hoping that certain theories about him that he has will be proven correct when he puts mm-hmm. uh, Michael in the same room as Laurie. But anyway, this is all a way to get Laurie Strode uh, and Michael Myers together uh, near the Bon Me Brigade, who was on the block. Um, Remember the, the really bon- good Bon Me truck that would come to IGN when we were in yeah. Beverly Hills? Yeah, it was a great. Bon that was the first time I had Bon Me sandwiches. I didn't know what it was. I, I believe it was first. And then I was like, Bon Me is for me. Uh, and when I, I am- watched this movie, I was like, I agree with the guy who's pushing the Bon Me's because I've had a great Bon Me. Yeah. And so, then I was so sad when he died. I was like, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the, the at least he didn't get his head turned into a like a weird jack-o'-lantern flashlight thing. Um, I mean, Michael worked quick on that. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah. The the one guy is got the uh Sartain's knife pen stabbed through his head, and he's holding the other guy's head, which has been turned into a human pumpkin. Uh Michael worked quick, but you know, if you're so um like the child at the beginning of this movie, or not the beginning, but the first person we see Michael kill in this movie, uh, Ray, a likable character, also gets a humane death. He gets uh, but, one of the more gentle by Michael's standards death. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's also like, I don't know, he's in this compound and he doesn't seem to be very, I'm sure he's concerned about Allison, but he, I like, I don't know. I wouldn't just be doing yo-yo tricks if my daughter was out there worth a madman around. <laughs> right, uh, right. Seems very casual about all of this. Anyway, Ray gets killed. And at this point, Lori sees Michael outside of the window 
of her door. And Michael, you know, the, the first confrontation involves Michael breaking his hand through the door and Lori blowing his fingers off with the shotgun. So mm-hmm. already going forward, uh, continuity wise, Michael must now be missing uh, two, two fingers, three fingers, three fingers, I think two. I think he's two. missing two, the two bottom fingers on his left hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which uh, if you watch the Halloween ends teaser, yep, it's still no fingers. So yeah. And I've got the NECA action figure missing those fingers for Halloween kills. And I'm ripping off my own fingers just to match Michael Myers. <laughs> so then, yeah, then comes like the, the end game here where Allison's sort of like running up to the compound. She gets freaked out by uh, all the mannequins. And, Which you know, is creep- fun because they are freaky. <laughs> creepy scene. And then also the um, the sort of tense... Lori stalking Michael through the house moment uh, where and uh, there's a fun, great Judy Greer turn at the end of this movie, which is one of the best parts of the movie. Uh, I think my favorite part after the, you know, Michael stalks people with a hammer through the house scene. Uh, But like before that happens, Lori's going through her house looking for Michael. um, Very tense moment, I remember in the theater. And another uh, mannequin scene because it's the one where he, yeah. you know, you kind of know he's hiding in that room somewhere. And then we get them fighting again, but this time, like, she gets thrown outside. And they fight over the knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot more physical confrontation between Lori and, but again, we've been, we've been having these fights happen for a while now. Any of the first movie, which is like the, the smallest version of this mm-hmm. up through you know, you know, H2O, which was like this like gladiator showdown. Right. Um, and then now we've got like these two old scarred souls like coming at each other. And uh with Lori now fully trying to protect her family. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, go for it. I just I mentioned uh, you know, I remember us seeing H2O opening night with a great crowd, and I saw this with a great crowd as well. Um, there were lots of big applause moments, um, but I, a particularly big one was the big callback of her vanishing. Like, you know, again, they already did the thing where she was the one outside the window, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when Michael knocks her off the balcony and then he gets distracted hearing Allison and then he looks back and now Lori has vanished. Uh, that got big cheers that, aha, I'm, I am now the vanisher, Michael. Yeah. Fun and in the fact that like, so the whole house has been built as a trap for him, like complete trap. The basement itself uh, is a trap. And then so Karen, like playing up the scared, a helpless like daughter, like inept daughter, like proving herself in that moment to be like a badass, like that, like suckers Michael in, shoots him in the neck. Yeah. You know, uh, which he is- gets, I love that moment so much. It's, uh, yeah. Such a great moment. That because it's like, yeah, she, she can't have forgotten all of her training for all those years, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a great moment. Uh, that was another big cheer moment. And also, there's also a metatextual thing here that I don't, don't think was intentional. But with Judy Greer's career, which is she is always cast as the best friend in romantic comedies mm-hmm. or in giant blockbusters like Jurassic World or Ant-Man and the Wasp has someone who is not going to be part of your big action climax. Like she is, you know, an important character to the leads, but not an important character to the plot. And so she will sit out the action finale. This time she is present for it, but it seems like she's going to just cower so it's a nice turn that you no, know, she's actually like tra- trapping him, tricking him here. All and so yeah, happy. it's it's a full like you know, like those like almost like a jigsaw trap. Those bars shut up over the like the the mm-hmm. the opening to the cellar, 
which Karen and, gets to uh like push the giant lever to uh to close. And, yeah, and actually explain like it's a trap, like it's not a cage, it's a trap. Oh, and, and we should mention that it's a full um three generational team up because they tell Allison to leave, she doesn't, and instead she stabs Michael when he's coming at them mm-hmm. out of the basement. And uh, they, they light, they, there's a gas lit downstairs, you know, like set up for Michael. And the, basically, so she lights the, the entire uh, house, they, is set the up. entire house on fire. The entire house is meant to burn with Michael in the basement. And they say goodbye. And he says, bye. And they I really off. like how he just stares forward in his cold Michael way. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, second movie in this franchise, but two different timelines that ends with Michael Myers presumably burning to death. Um, you know, but in a different way. But uh, I do. So, cool so I feel like, yeah, uh, a good rule of thumb is H2O can exist on its own without obviously resurrection ruining uh, the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. And this movie, if you don't care for part two and three of this particular trilogy, this movie is a solid fucking movie that exists on its own as an end to the story. Like very much so. And yeah. I want to mention that when when this all happens, it's all very well done, as we mentioned, with the, the flame, the fire, Michael staring forward as if like, you know, being creepy, but also accepting his fate. And they play kind of a operatic sort of sad version of the Halloween theme that makes it feel very final. Requiem you know? for a boogeyman. Yeah, right. Uh, right. So, yeah, good, good goddamn movie. Um, good, good. Movie. Very, very satisfied with this. Time made us super hyped for the other two mm-hmm. uh, that were coming out. Uh, then... And it was a huge hit. Movie this made is a me huge, less huge excited. Hit. But yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. and you know, the second one, obviously, the second one last year uh, was delayed a year. Yes. Already. We, we should uh, have already seen the conclusion. If not for COVID, we would have seen Halloween ends a year ago. Right. Uh, so this movie was supposed year. to... Co- Halloween Kills was supposed to come out in 2020. Delayed a year still released uh a year ago around this time mm-hmm. when people people still weren't fully going out to movies uh it was it was still a iffy uh stuff for theater so they were they uh same same released it on peacock the the next movie still made a lot of money considering right no, it, it really, still it, it still made well. yeah very it still well. did very yeah. well obviously it made a hundred million less than this movie did but if your movie only costs twenty million dollars to make, it doesn't matter, yeah. it, and you earn over a hundred million, you're doing pretty good. So yeah, yeah, because this movie, this I mean, 2018, making over 250 million, this over over performed. I mean, this was a huge. Well, this is the, that was the highest grossing Halloween movie ever, right? So yeah, yeah, okay, uh, big big hit. Um, yeah, we'll we'll you know, and then yeah, so yeah. Halloween Kills was no slouch either, and I think Halloween ends will do pretty well too, if not even if people who were uh, disappointed by Halloween Kills, this movie like it's the end. Like it, you, you know, it's got the um, it promises. Like people are still going to want to see how it all turns out and how it closes up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it it makes a little less than the last one. Just because the last it is, one, okay. Uh, but I still think again, una- you know, again with the budgets and the success levels of these, these are all unequivocally. I wonder know, what hits. the budget is. You think they all have about the same? Um, no, I'm sure it's gone up, uh, and I'm sure Jamie Lee Curtis's salary has only gone up. Although they signed her for two movies, so I'm sure they did like a yeah, uh, so that's why package it. deal. Um, and I'll just say that the mega success of this 
uh, has directly, well, it directly led to two sequels to getting the green light, you know, that they're going to film them back to back and whatnot, though, again, COVID delayed the exact plans. Um, it definitely helped influence the fact that Scream has returned. Um, it's just interesting that it has not brought back Freddie and Jason. Again, there are complications that you had onto that, but it is sort of fascinating. As we mentioned weeks ago, you know, Halloween kind of started it all with the, these mega slasher franchises, but then kind of got lapped by these other ones that were making movies more, more quickly and making more money. Uh, so it is kind of interesting to see that this is the one that came back, came back so strong. Um, whatever you feel about these two movies, box office wise, unequivocally huge hits. Uh, and right now is like the one the kids would know the most, right? You know, this, right. this, yeah. is, the, this is the one that's contemporary. So that's it. It's all come full circle. Yeah, what do they know from slashers? Except it, the the last slasher standing are Chucky and Jason. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'll say uh, Chucky, th- th- Chucky and Michael Myers. Sorry. And oh. this movie, 2018, definitely, I think, worked was purposely made to be accessible to a teenager walking in who's never seen the original. You know, the the dialogue is there to explain the backstory, and to, I, I I just watched um. One of you know the only Hellraiser movie that brings back Christy from the first two of all the straight to video ones, yeah. and it doesn't do that successfully. Like like she's back in a shitty, stupid way, but it but it's only gonna help you know if you've seen those first two movies. Oh, that's cool. But if you're just like randomly watching a Hellraiser movie because you've heard the title Hellraiser, you'd have no idea that she's important. Whereas Halloween 2018, I think, does a very good job of being like, here's the story. Now, here we're going to give you explain to you what this story is but if you haven't seen that movie this can still work once hellraiser comes out in a in a short while um it'll be interesting to note like i was just saying like younger people today what you know it's like what's your slasher mount rushmore well there are only four operating right and who are the ones still making product so yeah michael myers chucky um pinhead the new pinhead and Ghostface, uh, the ones who are like Whoa. still bopping around. There was a there was a Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix earlier this year. So there you go. Oh god, that came and went like, and it got terrible reviews, right? Like, ah, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's been par for the course for that series for quite a while. Yeah, uh, um, I might try right. to convince you to do those movies one day. We'll see. <sighs> that's calling in a big favor because like... <laughs> you'll love it. You'll love it. Okay. Well, just can we just do the Rothman one? Yeah, yeah. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do like ten weeks of that movie of Texas Chainsaw Massacre for uh, the next generation. That is a crazy movie. Different things barbarian the, crazy. The craziest crazy. of crazy movies. All right. Um, until next time, when we talk about Halloween Kills, everything is possible, but nothing is real. And Shockma. Shockma. Shockma.